Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt. Because this is the season finale. Let's go. We're having good times. Come on. Let's go. It's Monday with Mikey and Murph. Yo, we're here once again. It's me and Murph. This ain't the end. We're going to take a little sabbatical and have a good time while we sip on the wine. But we coming back every month with the special that'll make you go, hmm. I don't know, but I'm trying to rap. It's Monday with Mikey and Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt. Murph's got the dance craze. It's taking the nation by storm. It's called the thumb move. Let's go! It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Woo, Murph! We are officially at the Raiders season finale, and it's also our 23rd episode, which is the season finale. Congratulations, it's over! <laughs> Congratulations on season one, Mikey, on the... Uh... This after this episode, it will be a wrap on season one for Mondays with Mikey and Murph. That's right. In television lore, most shows run about 23 episodes. So why not wrap it at 23 with the Raiders on the season finale? But man, the offseason is just beginning. And if there's anything to be said, it ain't over. It's just the beginning yes. of the 2019 season. So, Murph, let everybody know where they can find you real quick and what you got going on after our show, basically. 
Thank you, Mikey, very much. You know, this whole thing started for me in the podcast world, and it starts with Raiders Fan Radio. That's part of the Murph's Fan Cave Network, if you see my shirt there. Murph's Fan Cave, that's my podcast network. You can find the Raiders Fan Radio. You can find the audio version of this show, Mondays with Mikey and Murph. And you can find the Fan Club Blitz with Splatterhead Tom and Fitz. You can find that on any podcast service that exists. You can just look for Murph's Fan Cave. But most importantly, um, nowadays, we're a big fan of the YouTubes. And uh, that's uh, based on your encouragement, Mikey, and your support. And, uh, and so we've had a lot of fun with this whole live stream thing. So the best way as of right now, and I only subscribe to us to the audio version, Version, but help us out on the video version, which is youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. Please subscribe and you'll get all those uh, those shows that I just mentioned. And uh, and we really do appreciate your support. All Raiders all the time around there. So check us out. That, that's right. So for continued amazing Raider Nation, Raider fandom coverage, check out murphsfancave.com. The links are below. Or you could search the Googles, the YouTubes, the interwebs. And you will find that beautiful beard that is Murph and his fan cave. Got the got the beard going in 4K nowadays, man. I don't know if that's a that's probably not a good thing, but uh, it highlights the gray. I that gray that's wisdom. That's all Raider wisdom built into that. That's a lifetime of of following this football team and every one of those gray hairs, Mikey. Uh, I guarantee you, I have gray here. But I went to the 99 cent store and I bought a dye pack for a dollar and I seem to dye myself every couple weeks. It looks good. I'm glad you don't use the shoe polish. And uh, have you seen the movie uh, How to Be a Latin Lover when the guy uses shoe polish to put in his beard and stuff and his chest hair and everything? And then he goes and he dives into the water and into a pool like at this, like he's trying to impress all these ladies around there and he dives into a pool. And then there's like a big giant, like cloud of Brown behind him as he dives in. And it looks, it looks pretty nasty. It's not, it looks like it's not shoe polish. I'll just say that. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I'd put shoe polish on my mouth or my, <laughs> my goatee, but Hey, no, that's for me. Cause I'm the shoe licker, right? I'm the boot. I'm the Gruden boot licker. So the shoe polish is reserved for my face, right? Yeah, you're the car you're the car apologist, the Gruden apologist, That's according right. to everybody else as well. That's exactly right. It's all right. I made a video yesterday. I was slightly inebriated, I ain't gonna lie. I had about seven beers. I don't know, and I'm on medication. That, Ooh, that was extra not a buzz good, for you. That was not a good decision on Mikey Raider's part. And we lost the game in a bad fashion, and I got a lot of hatred again. And we're gonna talk about that, but uh let's do it. Let's we got some major headlines. Yeah, today, let's Friday. do it. Let's do it. I, I have a feeling on the season finale, me and you are going to disagree and maybe get mad at each other. And I hope not. You know, you know, I don't ever get mad at you, Mikey. It's one thing to get fired up in, in a disagreement, but it's never out of a lack of respect or lack of like or love, man. You know, I love you just because we don't always agree. That's what makes this a good thing. And we'll get into more of that when we get to the end of it. But uh, yes, there's nothing wrong with a little disagreement. It's no fun if everyone did. We just sit around and go, man, you're right. You're so smart. Like, <laughs> like what fun radio would that be if we just told each other how much we agreed with each other, right? That's true. Well, hopefully we both get uppity in this episode. <laughs> You did call me. Now, wait a minute. Let's not just gloss past it. You did call me uppity last episode. <laughs> well, you know. You're supposed to say, oh, I'm sorry, Murph. I didn't mean that. I should have never have called you uppity. Uppity's better than annoying, <laughs> and I get called annoying all the time. Oh, you're so. not annoying to me. 
It's better to be uh, uppity. Okay. All right, Murph, it's time for the headlines, breadlines, deadlines. Uh, yeah, you guys know the rest of it. I'm not even going to do it. All right, here's the headline from the game. I wrote hashtag the Raiders quit last week. But the major headline from yesterday's game is a Raiders terrible season ends with a blowout loss to the Chiefs. Uh, we will actually discuss that on our, I'm going to call it season review game recap. But that's your major headline for the game. But the major headline for yesterday and today officially is the Raiders have announced Mike Mayock as their general manager. Reggie McKenzie was fired about a month ago. And um, during the Kansas City trip, apparently Mark Davis and John Gruden have been interviewing for the past week or two candidates. And they did impress the Rooney rule. I don't know all the names, but apparently there were some minority candidates. But they met with Mike Mayock on Saturday. And now he is officially the general manager of the Raiders. Previous seasons, he's the draft specialist analyst for the NFL Network. Um, your first impressions of Mike Mayock as a general manager for the Raiders. Yeah, so big shock. I like the move. I think it's interesting. It's not what I expected. Uh, you know, I was expecting Holmgren. Uh, I was expecting somebody that would be more of a mentory type figure uh, to John Gruden. But I think this makes sense if you think about it in terms of who he surrounded himself with, uh, he this fits right in line. And so I mean, like, whether it's the coaches or now front office personnel, he's surrounded himself with advisors. And look, every good leader is only as good as his cabinet of advisors. So, you know, like we look at the relationship between Greg Olson and John Gruden this year in terms of offensive coordinator slash head coach. Well, we know that Greg Olson is not calling plays. He's not uh, the, the offensive coordinator that John Gruden is the de facto offensive coordinator. Here we have the same type situ situation, same scenario. Mike Mayock is the football executive, the player executive, whatever that title is, call him general manager. But we really know that ultimately it comes down to Gruden. So he's in an advisory role. And, and so where there's not going to be a competition for pecking order, there's going to be a collaboration based on talent evaluation. And when you consider it on those terms alone, he's one of the best. Now, look, everybody misses in the draft and, People are so quick to be like, oh, he said this guy was going to be better than that guy. Or he said that Blaine Gabbert was going to be better than Cam Newton or whatever. Well, you could do that with any draft analyst and because the draft is an, in, an inexact science, right? I mean, people miss on it all the time. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not uncommon. In fact, you miss more than you hit in terms of draft. And you can't evaluate a draft until after you get three, four, five years down the road anyways. So all that said... I like Mayock. I think that he fits in exactly with what Gruden's mentality is, his approach to leadership of this team. And I think that, look, he's fully capable of, 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 of evaluating talent. And one last thing, Mikey, Frank Sinatra once told me, don't be a name dropper. I met Mike Mayock one time at the Knoxville uh, courtyard. He was in town to do uh, uh, to cover for the NFL Network at the time, the University of Tennessee's Pro Day. And I was sitting there having breakfast, and I look over, and there's Mike Mayock sitting there. And so when I got up to leave for breakfast, I stopped by his table, and I just introduced myself and shook his hand. And 
super friendly guy, man. He asked me, he goes, so what team do you root for? I said, I'm a Raider fan. And he goes, oh, he goes, uh, um, you know, the Raiders need an arm. And this is back when Terrell Pryor was our quarterback. And I said, yes, sir, they do. I said, absolutely. I said, anybody at UT could fit that bill. And he said, well, Tyler Bray's a, uh, a, a, you know, a big guy with a big arm. You know, like, and look, obviously he was just being nice and, and, and having small talk there, but the friendliest guy in the world, man. So I'm all about it, man. Mike Mayock, good for you. Yeah, we'll definitely get into some pros and cons, you know, in a little bit more of a debate, but we're just giving our general statements right now, initially. Um, <clears throat> this is a 100% amazing John Gruden hire. The reason I say a jo it's a great John Gruden hire, because the blame for drafting in the future is no longer in John Gruden's hands. It has now been transferred to Mike Mayock as a draft specialist. So Gruden, I'm just saying, he has a fall guy if he needs one. But Mike Mayock, as a general manager, I'm very concerned. Can he handle everything beyond the draft that a general manager needs to handle? Will there be other help in terms of money, you know, the staff, all the other things a general manager does beyond staffing? That's what I'm truly concerned about. But in terms of the media saying John Gruden doesn't draft well, John Gruden has never been good at drafting, John Gruden is, you know, who's he going to pick? This is a great hire because he adds to John Gruden's non-knowledge from my perspective. You get it? If you believe John Gruden sure. is not a great drafter, he can provide the analytics, the statics, or static stats, all that other stuff. So this is a 100% great Gruden and fan base hire for the future with draft picks. And I, but I have I have a lot of concerns. Before. I would not be surprised if Mike Mayock is fully aware of that. That look, he's this the entirety of the responsibility of the draft and the personnel decisions are going to land on him whether he ultimately makes the call or not. I'll, he's a smart guy, and so is John Gruden. So I'm sure there's a full awareness of that. I think what's critical on this is and to understand, look, there's a lot of things that happened this year that we were trying to wrap our brains around. Why would this happen? The reason that ultimately that John Gruden has hired Mike Mayock is I think a couple of things. Number one is that is obviously his ability to evaluate talent, but he operates, the, here's the other thing, and this is I think the most critical, is that he operates the same speed as Gruden. And we talk a lot about how when it comes to players or coaches about how if you're not as bought in as John is, if you're not as invested as John is, you're gone. That's why Bruce Smith or Bruce Smith, Bruce Irvin and Amari Cooper, and I, that's why certain players found their way out of Oakland. Because look, if you're not going at it with the same uh, mentality is Gruden, then you're not going to work. This guy does. This is a 4 a.m. kind of guy, like wake up early, get to the facility before the crack. Of, like they're going to be in lockstep with their work ethic. And so absolutely, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, but I think it's an already an understanding based on these two individuals already. So I don't think it's going to be a point of contention, but I understand what you're saying. And, that's, and I think that's a fair point is that it adds an extra layer between Gruden and responsibility. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Yeah. It's, again, people are saying, oh, Mikey has nothing positive to say. I'm just showing you 
from different sides, how it can be perceived by many different people. The hiring was very quick to me. Um, so that kind of scares me as well. Again, it just, it seemed like, I don't know how it went, but you know, Mark Davis goes in a room, meet somebody. He already knows him from TV and analyzation, just like John Gruden. And we all know Mark Davis loves entertainers, people with personality characteristics and all that other stuff. And then he fell in love with Mike Mayock maybe too quickly. And then Gruden and him are basically the same people. They're announcers. They got, like you said, they're blue collar guys. They wake up at four in the morning. They get their job done. They go a hundred percent. And Mark Davis kind of, in my mind, made it really quickly. Uh, but. Well, I think the, the something though on that subject, Mikey, though, is that I think this stuff was in play for a lot longer than just, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of things with the Raiders and frankly, a lot of things with any, a lot of corporate entities, you know what I mean? And you can call a football team, a corporate entity. There's the, the, the decisions are made much prior to the announcement. Like the, this stuff was in the work. That's probably why Reggie left when he did is that he knew that he was, that, that this was eminent at the, at the season's conclusion. And the Raiders were giving him an opportunity to stay around to save face. And he just said, you know what? I don't, I don't care to hang on for the last couple of months. I'm going to go ahead and dip out now. You know what I mean? And then so then when that when as soon as the season's over, boom, there you go. You announce this hiring. So I think this thing has been going on for much heck, it might have even been going on back when Gruden first hired on. He might have already had this in his head. Like, but you can't come out and say that. You know what I mean? You can't come out and announce that, but I would not be surprised one bit if this was already these conversations as terms of him coming on and hiring with the team and all that. If all that stuff didn't happen back in March. You know what I mean? Yeah, just again, I just wish. In a weird aspect, I wish it would have happened then, you know, so McKenzie didn't have to go through the year of basically getting rid of all the players he drafted him and trading them himself and then be a fall guy. I call him a fall guy for Gruden. I wish Mike Mayock was high. If it was in the works, I wish it was hired right when he, um, John Gruden signed on, you know, it would have been a lot nicer moving forward, but I guess Gruden, wanted to work with Reggie and get a feel for that situation. I think so. I think you wanted to give him a fair shake at it. And then, you know, regardless of who ultimately was at fault for anything, I think ultimately when the, when the off season started to play out the way it did, and then the early part of it, when, when we, when the Mac thing went down and all that, cause it's one thing to lose a player. It's another thing to lose a player and then have the, the, the critical response that, that can't. And that was my, my one thing with Reggie and look, and I celebrated Reggie when he got hired on and I'll still give him a lot of respect. But the quiet nature, the slow pacing of everything, the not getting out in front of situations enough. Because, look, if we rewind the clock back a little bit and you think back to, like, Gary and Conley and you think back, like, there was a lot of dysfunction going on with, with, right. with the front office back. And that was all because Reggie would never get out in front of anything and say anything. So, like, you have all these, like, stories that, like, spin up and brew up and the players are, like, communicating on their own and, like, where's the freaking front office? And, like, so that was my one criticism of Reggie is that, like, where are you? Like, why are we only here from you twice a year? You know what I mean? Like, get out in front of this stuff, man. Manage your freaking football team. And so I, I think ultimately that's probably what got Gruden. If, if there were to be a case where he was giving Reggie an opportunity to retain his job, I think that whole kind of dysfunction and the way that that whole Mac thing went down and, frankly, some of the others, that, that that's ultimately what cost him. Yeah, and in a scary way of thinking about it, because I always go to that direction. You're the positive guy. I'm always the, let me look at it from the other angle. But, like, 
why hasn't Mike Mayock ever been interviewed that I'm, I'm aware of as a general manager in recent years? Did he really want the position? Did Gruden and Mark Davis convince him? Um, and would you, what's the guy for ESPN? Like has yeah, any Lewis other Riddick? team drafted a, a draft analysis sportscaster as a general manager in the history? I mean, would you do yeah. that for the guy from ESPN? Yeah, John Lynch. Know. John Lynch is a general manager. He came right out of the booth, man. He was a player for the Buccaneers and the Donkeys, went into the booth, and then went straight to the freaking GM job in San Francisco. So, But he, yeah. he wasn't a draft analyst is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but you he know, was, so like, even, wor- even worse than, though, he was a freaking commentator, man. It's like taking yeah, Rich Gannon and making him a GM. You know what I mean? Like, at least this guy's got a freaking history of studying the mechanics of players, uh, you know, pre-draft. Like, I mean, he's, again, it doesn't mean he's always right, but when you look at the the in-depth uh, analysis that Mike, all you got to do is watch the combine. Watch it one of these days, which you can't now, oh, he's great. but the, watching the combine with him and Rich Eisen, oh my gosh, man, you get, you get, I never knew what oily hips were until I started watching freaking Mike Mayock. You know what I mean? And well, maybe I didn't know what oily hips were, but in terms of football, oily hips, which took on a whole different thing, right, Mikey? I just can't imagine like, if this was not Mike Mayock, what if this was Mel Kiper? You know, with oh that hair, my God. who in the hell is Mel Kiper? Yeah. Could you imagine Todd Mel Kiper yeah. from ESPN going with Gruden as a, as a general manager? Like, so in a weird way, it, it scares me. But for draft hype, for John Gruden, this guy will talk up the players. He'll know his stuff, and he will get Raider Nation excited about the draft picks coming up. So all in all, it's a very great, interesting, but scary first-time general manager pick from my point of view. Any closing thoughts in terms of Mike Mayock as a general manager? Yeah, much like anything, you know, I'm going to give it an opportunity to fail before I'm willing to jump out and criticize it. I'm going to see if it works. I'm willing to, uh, you know, I hate this term because it gets overused, I think, but I'm willing to embrace the process. I mean, what? look, there's a plan in place. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested enough and, and I'm patient enough to watch it play out. If three years from now we are still, you know, uh, four and 12, then you'll hear a different Murph. But as of right now, let's see how it goes. Yep. In five years, it's going to be very interesting how people like Mel Kuyper and the other draft experts grade Mike Mayer yeah. draft classes. That's going to be very interesting. Great but look, point. it's going to be a fun time for Las Vegas. And plus, real quickly. He's a first-time general manager. He's basically breaking the mold for draft analysts to be a general manager from my perspective. So you know he's going to give it 100%, and that's all you can expect from one man, whether they do a great job or they fail a little bit. If they give it 100%, then that's a, a success to me, and I know he's going to give it his all. So congratulations, Mike Mayock. I look forward to the future. All right. Um, wow, this – Story blew up over the week for Raider Nation. Um, Ray Perez, also known as Superfan Dr. Death uh, in recent years, has been very outspoken about Mark Davis leaving Oakland and that whole situation. And basically, he's on the I'm done with Mark Davis train. And he created a lot of animosity for a lot of good reasons against Mark Davis and the Raiders, but he claims to be, well, he did claim to be a 100% super fan, 
for the Raiders, the legacy, the history. He was even the first NFL sports fan on the cover of Sports Illustrated a couple years ago. And now he's making videos basically denouncing the team. And it's just very hypocritical and very mean-spirited toward the Raiders' legacy. I could understand it if it was only toward Mark Davis for the views on that, because I agree with a lot of the views on Mark Davis and all that. But this guy, Ray Perez, I've met him. He's a great dude. He's very intelligent. But I, I'm just really upset that he's giving up on a legacy he said he loved, which is the Raiders' legacy. Let's hear a little bit from the interview he did the other day. And then Murph, I want your take on this. Like, is he the real traitor or is it Mark Davis, the Raiders? I don't know. This is a sad take for Raider Nation. What I hope to gain from this lawsuit is to show the National Football League, all pro sports leagues, that you can't take advantage of cities like Oakland. Because what sports teams like the NFL are doing is, 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 is they're telling cities like Oakland, we're going to agree to attempt to keep the team here. You're going to spend millions of dollars. We're not going to spend anything. And then we're going to leave and take our team elsewhere. Well, that's, that's not right. If the city's going to spend money and put skin in the game to keep a team in the city, then the NFL and the Raiders also need to spend money equally. Because when you start putting money and putting skin in the game, it's not so easy to just pack up and leave because you're putting equity into building a stadium. You're going to start thinking twice, well, I put money in here, in here being the city, maybe I shouldn't leave quite yet. And hopefully this lawsuit is going to teach and show that multi-billion dollar industries just can't take advantage of municipalities like Oakland. I called them every single name in the book and none of it was nice. He's going anywhere that's going to give him a handout where he doesn't have to put in any of the work. Here in the Bay Area, through 0-10 seasons, we only had, what, two winning seasons in the last 12 years, 14 years, however long it is. And he, he expects the undying loyalty, but doesn't give back to the community. You can go to hell. I'm not going to follow you wherever you go. There's a lot to dissect on this because I agree with a lot of statements against, you know, the NFL, Mark Davis and what they're doing. But like he's really going hard also on the legacy and the silver and black. I don't know. There's a lot to dissect your thoughts. Murph. Um, I'm going to be really careful here because, you know, me, Mikey, I'm a positive guy. Uh, I'm, I don't have hate in my heart for anybody, um, but I can dislike things like a like a you know son of a gun um and i dislike this guy uh a lot and um you know this fool ain't even from the bay area he's from sacramento so this whole thing about being a champion for the bay area is a bunch of freaking marketing trash and most of his messaging is marketing trash because ultimately the root of his butt hurt is the fact that he spent time building a brand which is a brand based on the uh, a former Raiders nickname. This is not Dr. Death. You know, Dr. Death is number 26, Skip Thomas, not this f- idiot. And this guy, Mikey, and, and I say all this and I, and I'm, I'm again, I'm really trying to weigh myself here because I've known 
this guy for a long time. Way back when I first started podcasting for real, like more than just doing Madden stuff and whatever. But about 2013, when we first started podcasting for real, we used to have this guy on. And we would have him on semi-regularly. And he was just kind of like a super fan and fun to hear stories about, you know, from being in the black hole and whatnot. But then once this, and so he built this brand up. Now, look, Mikey, I have a brand. Mark Fancave, you have a brand. Mikey Raider, like, we all have a brand. And he built this brand, and, and he wanted to protect his brand. And based on his the Raiders leaving, he was going to lose his brand because his brand was, well, I'm a super fan. I'm in the black hole in the front row. You see me on TV, so therefore I have some sort of uh, authority and can then you know state an opinion and people will take it as fact because I'm there. Look at me. Look at me. Right. So when the Raiders chose to move on from that, his brand was then going to be impacted, and that's when he started this campaign and he started this crusade against the Raiders. And look, I am a fan of fandom and you will always hear me say, Mikey, there's no such thing as a true Raider. There's no such thing as a real Raider. To me, a Raider is in your heart. And if you are a fan of this team, however that manifests in you, you are true enough for me, man. Okay. But once you denounce your fandom, once you turn your back on not only the team, but the other people that still support this team, you're no longer in the club. You're out. And this fool is out. He's been out for a long time. He's been trashing the team forever. He's been trashing the fans forever he's turned it turned it into a polarizing subject where if you don't agree with what he says then you're not a real fan well look moron you're the one that's not a real fan you're the one that all look at look at this stupid picture of this idiot standing there salute what are you saluting you fool you were in the military you're not you know what i mean i can't, look mikey this guy stirs a lot of things up in me and i'm really gonna i'm gonna stop i'm gonna say one last thing the whole basis of everything that he says is false when he talks about Oh, they're, 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 you know, the, the Raiders needed to put skin in the game. Then Raiders needed to do this. Raiders needed to do that. He's the king of leaving out facts to form a narrative to further his own story. He leaves out the fact that they were trying to force a third-party negotiation. He leaves out the fact that the Raiders and the NFL were just looking for land donation. He leaves out all of the convenient facts that don't necessarily fit in with everything that he's saying. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to end with this, and you know I haven't said his name, and I'm not going to. Don't trust people like this people that present themselves as an authority figure and have nothing to do with the team whatsoever those are the people that you can mistrust the most you got guys like you and me mikey we are fans i am a fan of this football team i don't claim to be an authority i have an opinion and if you agree with me great if not you're fully entitled to your own and that's okay but you're never going to hear me present myself as anything related to or directed by the oakland raiders this guy pretends like he's some big freaking thing and he's not he's from sacramento like this is a very hard subject for me only because i've met him on many occasions and i've i've had him on you know my shows like you did murph and i like the guy i learned a little bit about his family his history how he became a raider fan you know according to him and i loved it but this is i completely agree with you on a lot of statements I am very unhappy with Mark Davis. I am very unhappy with the NFL and the way they do hurt cities, whether it be Oakland or Cleveland or St. Louis for that matter. I can't stand it. That's politics and that is beyond me. I am not intelligent enough to get into those segments, but I know 
the NFL, Mark Davis, Raiders, other organizations, even the LA Rams before they left. They need to do something better for the cities in which they leave or they're in. That's a given. So that's politics. I'm a Raider fan like you stated. I was sued basically by the business of the Raiders and the NFL. And that did not stop my fandom of the Raiders. I figured out any way to love the team, to create videos still, to put logos, you know, not on videos, and to do it, to continue my fandom. Because I love the Raiders. I don't think he ever truly loved nope. the Raiders. Nope. He loved the idea of it. He loved the fan base because we are the most popular, polarizing fan base in terms of the media that there will ever be. Whether we're winning on the field or not, we are 100% the most amazing, recognizable by name, by color fan base in the entirety of the NFL. And he became a fan, not 100% truthfully, and then he grew an ego after he became popular. I've grown an ego as well. My channel almost had 50,000 subscribers. Everything I said was kind of like law. People were respecting me. People were like, my opinion was the news. My opinion was breaking news. And it kind of got to me for a little bit. I started calling out other YouTubers and acting big and egotistical. But then I realized I ain't. And he has not realized that. And now it's over and he's taking the Raiders name, Mark Davis, and the legacy that he supposedly loved and grew up with, he's taking it down with him and he's trying to burn the ship. And it bothers Ab me. Mikey, that was beautiful, man. And I'm not going to say anything to rob that, that what you just said, because you, that was perfect. And I, I cannot agree with you enough on, on your statements, because you look at somebody like, like you and I have talked about before, like if you're having to question your fandom, well, then I question how much of a fan you were to begin with, because like, if it's this easy for you to just turn it off, well, then then I don't know how much of a fan you were to begin with. And I'll tell I'm a, I will. So I will say one last thing though, Mikey, about, about kind of where I'm coming from on this. And it's a big picture. It's more than just this isolated story because of knowing his position on the Raiders and his quote authority. Okay. We've gotten to know a lot of cool people in terms of doing our podcast. We've done a lot of amazing interviews, interviews and gotten to know a lot of really good people. Um, one of those people that we have gotten to know, and I don't, I'm not trying to drag him into this by saying his name. So I hope he's okay with me bringing it up. But, uh, Scott winter, who is an NFL credentialed reporter, he started off again as a fan on Twitter, doing periscopes and whatnot, doing stadium reporting about Las Vegas and about kind of the overall picture of it and grew into not only becoming an accredited writer, but attending owners meetings and becoming a, 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 a credentialed reporter to cover the Raiders on the road. Like the guy turned his fandom into a real life career into, as a real life reporter. Scott started coming on our show way back when, way back early in his, in, in his, in his journey here through his career and still will come on and join us once in a while and still, you know, kind of the whole idea of, you know, not forgetting where you came from, right? Like Scott will still come and, and join us and be part of us. And we support each other's work and whatnot. 
I reached out to Scott and we said, how would you like to come on and have a discussion? Healthy discussion. You know us. We're not going to set anybody up. We're not going to do anything to try to drag anybody's name through the mud or make anybody look silly. How would you like to come on and have a debate on our show on Raiders Fan Radio about the stadium topic? And Scott said, absolutely. I would be glad to come on and do that. I extended the same exact invitation under the same circumstances to this person. And this guy said, no way. I will not do it. And that was all I needed to know. Because if you truly know what you're talking about and you truly have sources and you truly are an authority, you're not afraid to go and speak publicly. It's easy to get on a one-way conversation. It's easy to have a vlog or a Periscope or whatever. It's tough to debate. It's tough to do what you and I do. You and I don't always agree with each other, but we like each other. We're friendly to each other. We respect each other. We can have a good back and forth, an intelligent back and forth, and be okay at the end of it. Because I know where you're coming from and you're coming from that position uh, genuinely, right? And, and you, right? I, I, don't, I know that you don't have a hidden agenda, Mikey. You're coming from your heart for what, you've, what you know and what you feel. That, this person couldn't do that same thing. He can't do that. He can't have a two. He can do an interview. He can sit there and answer questions. He can do a periscope. But he can't get on here and do what we do. He can't have a conversation with somebody with an opposing viewpoint. So because of that, again... I don't have any respect for it, man. He, this, I don't, I'm done talking. I'm, I'm finished with this. And, and uh, anyway. I, I believe he studied business, if I'm not mistaken. Or, you know, so this is a business, like you stated very well early on. But the sad thing about this again, and I'm just going to leave it at this for Ray. Um, I love you. I wish you well. I wish the hatred wasn't in your heart. And I wish it wasn't on full display right now. Um, but that being said, Sports Illustrated needs to retract that issue. Sports Illustrated needs to put a real Raider fan, Amen. Um, regardless of the politics or the business acumen, on the photo. And I want to throw people like Gorilla Rilla. I want to yes. throw people, maybe even the Violator. Yes. On that damn Sports Illustrated. Senior Raider. There are there. there you know there, are, Mikey. There's a litany of Raider super fans that deserve to be on that cover way ahead of this guy ever even at his peak popularity even at when he was showing up on tv every well i mean there's a lot el kukui like there's a ton of them off the top of my head i could think of scar yeah. all those people all. should be you know i mean crossbones kelly they should all be on the cover of this thing Crusader, way before razor, the, razor raider absolutely absolutely but, um in speaking of the violator real quickly he did an interview um with uh I think it's called the Raider girl. I'll post that link on the video later, but he did a closing interview about his thoughts of the last game in Oakland that he went to. And it's a great interview. And in summary, at the end of it, he speaks about how he can no longer afford to go to the black hole. If there is going to be one in Las Vegas, he said, I cannot afford it. And they asked, why didn't, why don't you tell Mark that? Why don't you tell Mark that? He's like, well, first off, I don't talk to Mark all the time. He goes, but if I had to sit down with Mark, that's not Mark's concern. Mark's concern is building this Raiders team into the future and building it to a powerhouse business-wise, not only fandom-wise. And he took the leaving Oakland with a grain of salt, still being a fan, but sad. But he took it the right way, and I wish – 
Ray Perez. I'm not even going to call him Dr. Death because he's proving to be a real Dr. Death for the Raiders legacy because a lot of people believed in him. And it's really sad to say. So I ask you this, Ray, who's the real traitor, Mark Davis or you, brother? Sorry, man. All right, let's move on to better subjects. Uh, this freaked me out. Four Raider players, veterans, got their 2019 roster bonuses like a week ago. So that guaranteed they're going to be on the team in 2019. It was Jordy Nelson. He got $3.6 million. Tahir Whitehead got $3.3 million. Kyle Wilbur, 500 k Lee Smith, $1.1 and that just proves they're going to be on the roster next year. I thought this was a great move. You get it? Maybe to please these veterans, to please the team, the players that are still on the team, that there is love and compassion, and the Raiders are willing to pay. Even though it's early, they showed a commitment to these players, and that looks good in the long run and in the locker room. What say you on this subject? I'm with you. I love it. I love all the names on this list. I think these are all great contributors to the team. Jordy was a little questionable early on, but I think once they he found a rhythm with Carr and found a rhythm in the offense, and I like how they're how they were using him, like the quick slant, like they're using him like the Cardinals use Larry Fitzgerald. That's what you do with an aging wide receiver. So I think it's fantastic. And Mikey, this frees up another five million dollars in salary cap. And uh, you know the detractors would say, well, that was just more money we could have used to pay Mac, but I say, you know what? That's $85 million more that we can go out and sign CJ Mosley with. Who's Mac? What, 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 who's Mac? Ah, <laughs> <Atta> boy. <laughs> hey, who's Mac? I don't. I remember Vontae Mac from the movie Draft Day. <laughs> remember Marlon Mac? Remember Alex Mac? Yeah. I don't remember. Who's Mac? I don't even know. Uh, this pissed me off. Might not have made you mad, but uh, on an article the other day on. Uh, I think it was a Bleacher Report. The NFL rules analysts, they're now analysts on TV now. Yeah. So that just shows you where, you know, they wanted to make a name for themselves on the field so they could be analysts on TV. But NFL rules analysts and former referees, Gene Steratore and Mike Pereira, they made a statement saying the game is over-officiated. Well, these are two people, two referees. Uh, Mike Pereira had a hand in the talk rule call. Then two years later, he took it off the books. He made a ploy that the tuck rule was not a good rule, but he's the one that called it against the Raiders. Okay. Then Gene Steratore last year, a couple years ago, when I don't remember anymore. He pulled out an index card a folded index card against the Raiders and the Cowboys. And he put it between the first down marker and gave the Cowboys a first down to win the game. And they're saying the game is over officiated. They made these over officiating and who the hell pulls out an index card. I, I, I don't know. This pisses me off. They're hypocrites. I can't stand it. Murph. I hate referees. Yeah, um, well, Walt Coleman was the guy that made the call of the tuck rule. Was Pereira on the staff? I don't know. I don't. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, he w he was involved. I think he was like the NFL head at the time, and they made a phone call. He was the guy on the other end 
to Walt, uh, whatever his name was. I got you. Okay. Yeah. And then Gene Stewart. Uh, either way, I mean, I'm with you. I don't have any love for the refs either. And I don't have any love for the way that the, the NFL has chosen to officiate its sport. Um, I'm glad these guys are saying that, you know, and are they just, uh, you know, were they just doing their job? You know what I mean? You know, were they just, you know, following their marching orders because this is what the NFL decided to do. So they're calling the game the way that they see it. And so, I mean, there's an argument to be said for that, but I'm with you though. It, it, it's, it's a very hypocritical statement to come from, from these two knuckleheads. And hopefully though, that this leads to um, maybe a reversal of a lot of, you know, thankfully they fixed the catch rule. You know, we saw a lot this, just even this past week, right. Where the catch rule is, is changed. We saw a lot of catches that were, that you know balls that that touch the ground but they re- remain under the receiver's control things that last year would not have been a catch that whole surviving the ground and all that crap that they had all that stuff's been eliminated so can we start then further down that path and eliminate some of the flags and hopefully so hopefully this is the beginning stages of that but who knows we'll see i just keep looking at that picture he wanted to go into tv look at him right there in the raiders game after yeah. the index card he looks right at the camera mhm mhm and then one year later, it's over officiated. Well, who the hell told you to pull out an index card, bring the cameras off the sidelines and said, come here and then do a close up with a foot. Fo- I'm done. I'm done, Murph. I'm going to yeah. go nuts. I'm going to go nuts. All right. Uh, wow. You guys, uh, many of you know, I want the Raiders on hard knocks. Uh, are the Raiders a lock for HBO hard knocks in 2019? What say you, Murph? And then I'll tell you why I believe they are 100% going to be on hard knocks. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I don't have any inside info. So knowing that, but (laughs) but being a huge fan of this show, uh, I say there's no way in HE double hockey sticks they are. Because if you watch the show, there's a lot of sweeping shots of the facilities, whether it's Tampa Bay or it's Dallas or whatever. There is a lot of like the facility itself almost becomes a character. And only once did they use a, a team that didn't have a top notch facility. And that was the Rams because the Rams were still in the middle of kind of right. They, they were they had built their practice stuff, but obviously they don't have a, uh, a, a place to play now. Now, so I don't think when you look at the teams that are that are available, so you got Raiders, uh, Niners. That's the team because of their facilities. I think that's the team ultimately that's going to get the call. Dolphins, Broncos, Giants, Redskins, Lions, Cardinals. Now, Cardinals have already been on it. Uh, Dolphins have already been on it. Uh, you know, the Giants, big market, big television market in New York. So are they are they a candidate? Absolutely. But I think ultimately the Niners are probably going to be a, a good one to pick. And here's, and here's the other thing I'm going to say is that while some teams have been on it twice, I think the Bengals have done it twice. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the Ravens did it twice, like a handful of teams. I think they're going to save the Raiders for when they get to Vegas. That's when the Raiders will be on hard knocks. Again, when they have a nice, big, fancy facility to display and and do all that, that's probably when we're going to see the Raiders. And the Raiders also could be, I don't know if you've ever seen the show All or Nothing. All or Nothing is phenomenal. Dallas has been on it. The Cardinals have been on it. University of Michigan football has been on it. And that's where they follow the team for the entirety of the year, not just for training camp. That's a spectacular show. So I could see them using the Raiders maybe for something like that. But, uh, but I think you're going to save the Raiders. I think you, we got this year of transition. Let us get through that. Because now that we have a coach um, and, and the, uh, you know, the Raiders 
chances are we're not going to be in the playoffs again next year. Just saying, don't hate me, Raider Nation. Mm-hmm. That they could because you can't be a playoff team and you can't have a first year head coach to be eligible for hard knocks. So with all those things kind of stacking up, I'm going to say they wait for the Raiders for Vegas. Yeah, um, you brought up a lot of the good rules. I don't have them all in front of me, but you have not. You couldn't have been on the show within the previous ten years. You can't have a rookie head coach. Um, I think those are the only two criteria. And no playoffs. If you're a playoff team, you're not. That's why the Patriots have never that's been right. on it or anybody like that. There you go. So let's say those are the three criteria. But um, this is why I hundred percent think the Raiders are going to be on Hard Knocks in 2019. Uh, first off, we got John Gruden. Uh, they had him mic'd up on the final Monday night game oh, in Denver. So that good. was, but it was so great. But it was pre-planned because Derek Carr was also mic'd up. Of course, so that planned. so that means NFL Network and all that, or ESPN and all the, they made it official to have Gruden. I don't know if they helped us win that game, but like they wanted that footage. So he's an entertainer. Oh, Hard Knocks HBO will take John Gruden on the sideline, in training camp, all that 100% of the time. He's the biggest name in the NFL right now. So that's one thing that could say HBO will do it for hard knocks. And they can't turn it down. There's other teams that can turn it down. The Raiders are not one. Also, we got a new general manager from the sports casting draft analysis booth. He's very entertaining to watch. So now we got two personalities that might have to mesh live on HBO Hard Knocks, and they want storylines. Then on top of that, the Raiders are talking to London. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, We're going to be the first team without a home, officially, on the road, basically, maybe in London. That is so good for views, for ratings. Plus, we got the draft, all the draft picks. How many players are we going to have? Are we going to draft down? We're going to have the top three picks, four picks. HBO, they are not going to turn down an opportunity like this. And John Gruden loves the attention. Mike Mayock loves the attention. Mark Davis wants to bring positivity and love to the Raiders. This is a 100% guarantee in my book. So, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. I think those are very fair points, Mikey. And it would not surprise me one bit because of all those reasons that you just laid out. Uh, But I think that there's all those reasons plus – locale plus facility that could be on the horizon and so i I think the nfl may want to wait and 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 save them up for that but those those are great points mikey absolutely they're they're going to be watchable you know the raiders are going to be highly watchable and entertaining and because like when you look at that then you mentioned the mic'd up game well yeah they mic'd up they knew the nfl knows it's probably the last game in oakland and they want all the footage possible they could have and they got some phenomenal footage if you haven't seen it yet stop watching us and go watch that and come back to us when you get done but that's it's an amazing mic'd up it's one of the best raiders mic'd ups ever i i completely agree i loved it um this bothered me watching that Monday night game. We, we didn't have a show after that. That's why we're featuring it now. But ESPN does features on the game preview or the game shows for two or three hours before the game. Uh, they did seven features. They only had one on the Raiders. And the truth of it is ESPN is supposed to feature the home team in their vignettes more than the opposing team. And it was the last game in Oakland, and they only did one vignette on Derek Carr and the Children's Hospital. 
they were not featured on ESPN. They featured more of the running back for Denver and his family life and all that other stuff mm -hmm. than anybody on the Raiders. That pissed me off. And the ratings were the worst of uh, this entire season on Monday Night Football. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that and Oakland not being featured on ESPN. I think you got a couple things in play. Number one is the NFL and the Raiders are going to do the city of Oakland no favors. So when you look at these vignettes and whether it's Moss and Woodson going out to local places and trying local restaurants and all that, you're featuring the city. You're drawing attention to the city. And guess what? You're going to sue me. I'm not going to do you any favors by giving you any exposure nor advertisement or whatever. So don't forget, it's not, oops, don't forget, it's not just the Raiders that are getting sued here. It's the entirety of the NFL. So, you, you know, the city of Oakland, uh, you are biting the hand that has fed you. So that does not surprise me one bit that uh, that there was no additional coverage or nor vignettes or anything to celebrate the city of Oakland. Now, it would have been nice to see them do something with the fans. It would have been nice to see them celebrate Correct. the fans because the fans don't have anything to do with it. The fans are residents of Oakland. They're not suing the team. So that would have been nice. But ultimately, too, it was New Year's Eve. So Charles Woodson was nowhere to be found. Or, excuse me. Yes, it was Christmas Eve. So Charles Woodson was nowhere to be found. A lot of people, a lot of that would normally be on television were off with their families already. So I mean, Charles Woodson was in Oakland and um, he asked. Oh, he was? Do, yes, he was in Oakland. He went to that game according to some of his Twitter reports and all that. Okay. And um, ESPN didn't even send a camera crew. To See, that's surprising because I figured he would have been the one to light the torch. Now, everybody knows the, the famous torch that gets lit before the game. It's the Al Davis, the, the, you know, the, the flame, the, the, the fire that burns brightest is the, is the will to win. And somebody of, you know, very much importance comes by to light that thing before every home game. And it was Marshawn, which was great because like you and I talked about it. He, he didn't wear any Raider gear. That kind of scared me. It was weird. Right. Yeah. Team, but without wearing Raider gear. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was just an observation. Right. But, it, it, but he was on the field before the game and everything and all that. So, yeah. I mean, um, but I, but so that was very appropriate because you and I talked about Marshawn, unfortunately, wasn't going to get a send off from the crowd in uniform. So next best thing, have him light the torch. I thought that was pretty cool. Especially when, did you see when he went to go light his cigar? Did you see that picture? Not yet, no. Okay, well, he went to light his cigar on the torch. If you look at it, there's a picture of him standing up kind of on his tippy toes, holding his cigar up to the flame to light it, <laughs> which is pretty freaking funny. Apparently, it's, uh, Murph is saying it's a blunt. <laughs> I don't, I'm you're just being very blunt. <laughs> I, I'm just saying it looks like a cigar. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know yeah. what it is, but whatever it is, it's funny. Whether it's a cigar or it's uh, something else wrapped up in cigar paper, either either, it's funny that he was lighting it on the torch. I'm just mad. Gruden was on ESPN. It's the last Monday night game in Oakland. They have Charles Woodson on their staff. And if, if he was out there, they could have featured him with the fans. They could have featured Gruden, the fans. And it was a missed opportunity, and it just showed no love. I, I don't agree. know. That, I, I'm mad at it. You're completely right. Uh, Gruden fired his um, strength and conditioning coach last week right before the game, Tom Shaw. 18 players are on IR from Tom Shaw. When Gruden was asked about it, he said it was a personal decision, but they're great friends. Uh, Gruden has now fired officially seven strength and conditioning coaches out of 12 
in his seasons as a coach. Uh, and Kelsey Martinez was a part of his staff. She was the first female assistant coach for the NFL in terms of training staff and all that. I don't know if she's gone, but um, did, did you have any issues with the strength and conditioning? And do you think Gruden is just firing too many strength and conditioning people? I don't know your thoughts on this. I don't know. Well, his kid is an authority. I don't know if next time you watch a Raiders game or if you go back and watch any from this year, you see old Deuce Gruden standing behind his dad, and he's about time. as yoked as you can get. That kid is, I mean, he's jacked. And that's his thing. He's, he's a strength and conditioning guy. But one of the things that gets lost is, is that – the strength and conditioning coach is not just about your, um, you know, your endurance and your whatever. It's about your prevention of injury. That's the main job of a strength and conditioning coach in the NFL is to prevent you from injury. And when you have a rash of injuries like the Raiders did, it's the NFL players are going to get hurt. But when you have the rash and the frequency, then that reflects negatively, whether you like it or not, back on the strength and conditioning coach. And the thing about Tom Shaw is that he's a guy, like his thing is his, his thing that he has down there in, in or I believe it's Orlando down at ESPN. Um, yeah, they're all no about draft preparation. So they're all about getting you ready to be drafted. So combine skills, that's the, so those are the kind of, of, of things that he coaches and that's what he's famous for. So I think this might've been a little bit of experimentation on Gruden's part to bring that mentality to the day to day to the season, essentially. And I don't think ultimately it showed that it worked because I don't think that a lot of those things, they're not transferable. And I don't think he, anybody knew even knew that because we've never seen anybody like a Tom Shaw take those skills and apply them to the season. But I don't think necessarily that they worked. I mean, you know, did it help a guy like Jared cook or whatever? Sure. I mean, you could, you could definitely make those, um, make those cases, but the, the times where it showed that it maybe worked, it, it showed that it, the more frequently it didn't work based on the injury. And then even one more is that you look at a guy like Jordy Nelson. I mean, that guy lost speed. Now, granted he got older, but he really yeah. lost a lot. Right. And so can you attribute that to Tom Shaw? I don't know because that's what Tom, hey, that's eight, what Tom Shaw's supposed to do. 18 players on IR. sounds like a lot. That's a and lot. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's the worst in the NFL. It might be second worst or third worst, but it's a very, you know, tr troubling situation because in Gruden's first year, these are the people you lean on to build your team. And not even one year in, the strength and conditioning coach is fired. But Gruden's son, he's still on the staff. That hasn't been reported oh, that yeah. he's been fired. He's not going to get fired. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. He's going to get well, the job. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Do you think he'll be the next coach? Yeah, eventually. Yeah, and then that's and that's another case for that as well that you say, okay, you know, look, Junior, you know, I'm going to surround you with some amazing people for you to learn from, uh, you know what I mean, and to draw as much knowledge as you can before you start out on your own, you know, because obviously, like I said, Deuce is very accomplished already as a lifter and whatnot, but now, you know, to acquire more skills, another set, like I said, Tom Shaw it does things much different than a typical strength and conditioning coach, so does that just diversify what Deuce's skill set is and to eventually turn him into the man? That wouldn't surprise me one bit, you know? We are going to have a 100% all Gruden staff by 2025. Everybody will be a Gruden name, even down to the chef. Trust me. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's play the report that came out a week ago before the game. And we'll talk about the report that came out yesterday. Uh, there's no audio with that one. Oh, here it goes. It kicks in late here. Here we go. Playoffs. As we bring in Jay Glazer, the question is, where are they going to play next year? 
Yeah, you know, look, right now they're talking about maybe staying in Oakland at the baseball park, playing in the 49ers stadium, outside shot San Diego. But there's another option completely out of left field. Actually, I should say over the pond, across the pond, because London is now an option for the Raiders. It's being discussed for them to play next year. They're still trying to figure it out. Other owners have brought it up to the Raiders. The Raiders are discussing it. Do they play four home games, then four away games, and back and forth? But, again, the Raiders don't have a home next year. London is a possibility as of now. Cheerio. So that report came out last week before the game early Sunday morning or Monday morning. I think it was Sunday morning. But uh, Jay Glader, Glazier reported that London is a possibility. That freaked me out because I could see the NFL wanting that. Then just yesterday before the game, officials, um, NFL officials, or a report came out. There's always reports. <laughs> But NFL officials and the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, are officially talking to stadium officials. The stadium is called Tootenham. It's a brand new stadium in London that the Raiders were going to play in, I think, a couple seasons ago. And it wasn't able to be made in time or this whatever. Year. Was it this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought Mexico was this year. No. Yeah, that was that wasn't the Raider game that they got moved out of Mexico. That was the the Raiders were supposed to play at that new Tottenham Stadium, but it wasn't done yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, long story short, the actual stadium, Tottenham, Tottenham. Um, all I heard is the word "ham," and it sounded good to me. But um, <laughs> that stadium, the officials are actually talking, according to a report, to Mark Davis and the NFL. This looks like it could be a test case scenario. For the Raiders, do you believe the Raiders will be playing in London in a test case for the NFL in 2019? I believe they certainly could. I don't know where they're going to play. I don't think they know where they're going to play, and I think that they got multiple op op options on the table. This is one of them: London, Mexico City, San Diego Dodger Stadium, Dodger Giant St Stadium, Gi right? And like you know, and, and I thought AT and T would be an interesting one because then that was. Talk about turning your back literally on the city of Oakland uh, by playing in San Francisco. That would because Santa Clara doesn't quite have the same, you know, uh, shot across the bay as San Francisco does if, if they play there. But but I think that you know San Antonio. I think the the interesting thing is this: is that I still lean more towards the Bay Area home games because they're not moving the offices out of Alameda yet. And when you listen to the old. Um, accounts back when they moved to LA, they kept the offices still in Alameda and they would then just travel to, and they would practice in Alameda, then everything, and then just travel to Los Angeles for the home games. They didn't move down there. They just moved their ga home games down there. Everything else still happened in Alameda. So I think that by taking that understanding, you can't then apply that to San Antonio or to London or to wherever, because then you really are making this big giant leap every single game. So it makes most sense for them to be in Santa Clara or, you know, San Francisco or, or even San Diego, because then you can, it's just a, what is that? An hour and a half flight. I mean, it's not long to get down there. So I think that's more where this thing goes. But it's possible, and I and, and again, and I'm not trying to waver here because I truly don't think anybody knows. 
It's possible, and would it be cool? Heck yeah, man. Silver and Black UK and the UK fan base is awesome, let alone the European fan base. I mean, we get feedback all the time from people in Italy and the Canary Islands and Scotland and all over. Kelly got engaged also the other day. Writer Crusader's daughter, Crossbones Kelly, got engaged. Congratulations. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, that's cool. I think it would be great. I think it would be great. Why not? Why not? When you got a transition year like this, I, I mean, what the heck, man? Go for it. Do something crazy with it or fun with it, you know? But I, I don't think there's been an option yet where I've heard where I've been like, ooh, that would be awful. You know what yeah, I mean? The- like, they've all sounded like, okay, fine, go for it. Go play at Angel Stadium. Knock yourself out. Make three teams yeah, in Los Angeles. What the heck? The unique thing about the report, the first week it came out by Jay Glazier, was I was like, how are they going to do that? You know, home and away, home and away. But the initial report said they're thinking about four games at home and four games on the road in a row. And I was like, well, that means they're seriously already thinking about it if they've made that statement of four games at home in a row and four on the road back and forth. So that was already, it feels like it's already at 50% a possibility. Now they're working on, if there's a second, now they're talking to Tottenham Stadium that meant, all right, let's go to London. Let's see if Tottenham is available. So now it feels like 60% that they're in negotiations. And it, it feels like a possibility. And maybe the home office or the away offices will stay in Oakland and all that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, well, that would well that would work if you did four and four and then four and four again. That would work because you wouldn't have to because you would essentially then you would stay home for your away games and just travel like you would normally would. And then the times that you go overseas, then you just stay over there. And I it would well, sounds sounds good to me. Again, I I heard any situation or scenario yet that I was like, oh, that would be awful. That would suck for the day. look because it's because no matter what, it's not going to be day-to-day business as usual NFL team weeks, right? It doesn't matter where they go. It's going to be weird. So if you're going to be weird, be all the way weird, go all the way to London. Why not? I mean, you know, and I'm not saying London is weird. I'm just saying that the idea is weird. It's a, it's a far fetched idea compared to what we're used to as terms of how teams work week in week out. So why not, man? A lot of teams in the NFL, um, I'm going to have to go over the math and see if it's real or not what I'm about to say, but a lot of teams, I believe, or a few of them had three, at least three home games in a row on a couple occasions this year. So it wouldn't be hard to say that the NFL gives the Raiders four home games in London and then also maybe only half a season in London. You get it, those four games in London, then the rest out here, back and forth, whether it be in Santa Clara, Dodger Stadium, Giant Stadium, where it's like four games at Giant Stadium, four games in London. I don't know. Interesting. Who are what the? Happened? Who are the? I'm going to look up. We know who the Raiders' opponents are going to be. I know one of them for sure is the Jets. You know the rest of them? Nah, I'm not as good as you with that stuff. Let me look it up real quick. I know one for sure is the Jets. Um, let's see. Here we go. Hold on. Bear with me here. I hate looking stuff up. Okay. So we got the Jets, the Vikings, the Colts, the Packers, the Texans, and then our division. So going to playing on the road at the Jets is another, that's a long one. But outside of that, 
they're not going, they're not making any more East Coast trips. So you fee- so feasibly, because what I'm getting at is that if you're traveling to London for your home games, then you don't want to have like an East Coast away schedule. You don't want to be playing at Baltimore and at all these places, right? But they only have one on there. So because the, the Vikings, the Colts, and the Packers, and, and the Texans, that's not that far, right? I mean, that's still a, a trip, but that's a trip to the Midwest. That's not, or you know what I mean? That's not going all the way across the country from whatever, you know, from the offices and the practice facility than there in Alameda. So it's feasible, Mikey. I'm with you, dude. I think this one definitely could play out. This is very, very interesting. Um, apparently we're going to have an answer by Feb by the Super Bowl or around that time or right after the Super Bowl, maybe around the Pro Bowl. I don't know. That's what Roger Goodell asked for. He said by mid-February. So um, all right, a Raider is now in peace. Warren Wells, former Oakland Raiders wide receiver died at 76. I didn't know too much about Warren Wells. I definitely got to brush up on my history. Do you have any memories or thoughts or videos or anything that you've watched of Warren Wells? Uh, I don't, I didn't remember Warren Wells as a player. He was, he, he his playing career was about done when I was born. Um, you know, knowing, but he was a, you know, a classic Raider for sure. Um, I can tell you a great story that I know about Warren Wells, uh, still to this day, Mikey, the highest rated episode we've ever had of Raiders fan radio has been pastor Armando Leone. He's the pastor of the Raider nation. And one of his first calls, one of the first things that, 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 that God put on his heart was to go and minister to Warren Wells. And actually Warren Wells was saved by Pastor Mondo. Warren Wells had found himself later in life, long after his playing career, in kind of a really rough patch in his life. And Pastor Mondo traveled to him and talked to him about life and and whatnot and brought him out of this depression and brought him out of this um, this, this this funk that he was in. And uh, and again, and, and kind of saved him and, and formed a relationship with him and and that was ongoing until uh, until recently when Warren passed. So so definitely Raider in peace to, to Warren wells and 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 thankful uh to people like pastor mondo that are out there to be there for you when you need someone and warren wells was in a position in his life where he needed somebody and and pastor mondo was there man to 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 be there for him and so really if you i don't want trying to use this as an opportunity to advertise our show so i don't know what number it is or whatever but if you go pastor mondo's been on our show twice the first time we had him on he tells this story at length about him meeting it was actually one of warren wells's family members reached out to pastor mondo and said please come here please come here and and talk to warren and uh and he did and and so and he tells the the big story about about that and it's fantastic it's a great listen um despite where you fall in your faith and all that stuff it's just a great story of 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 a human being reaching out compassionately to another human being and bringing them out of a bad place into a good place so again regardless of where you come out on that it's a great story so check it out yeah sounds amazing i will i promise sometime later tonight i will post the link on this actual video or page so you guys can be on the lookout for that, but rest in peace. And um, I definitely want to look into some of the older history that I'm not too familiar with. Uh, if Gruden was there with Warren Wells at the moment or time of death, and he was mic'd up, this is not a bad thing. He would have said, you're an effing Raider, man. <laughs> you're an effing Raider. Because I just wanted to say, watching Gruden on mic'd up, you guys know me. I got a lot of issues with Gruden, but oh, I hadn't noticed <laughs> entertainment value is not one of them. 
And I love video coverage like Hard Knocks, NFL Films. I love Mic'd Up. I effing loved watching John Gruden on Mic'd Up Classic. And I was actually proud that he was our coach watching that, especially when he said to the Denver Broncos wide receiver, Tim Patrick, who was throwing it in his face after he got a first down. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gruden said, shut the F up. I was like, yes. That was beautiful. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan, man. But Gruden showed me a lot of love and tenderness talking to Derek Carr during the video. I uh, shot a lot of passion against the referees. And I saw the players, like, listening to him, talking to him. Him and Derek Carr were kind of joking, telling each other they love each other constantly. That means they're working on the relationship, and they want to be clear. It's just like me and you, Murph. We got to tell each other we love each other, you know, because we're still finding out about each other. And whether we like certain things or we don't, we got to say, I love you, man. You know, like, I want to work with you. I'm going to love you no matter what our differences are. And it was a pleasure to watch. Uh, So go watch it. And then your favorite moment from that, let me know, Murph. Oh, my, 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 yeah, the one where he, when he hollers back at that, at that receiver, that was pretty good. But my, my favorite, probably aside from that, was him talking to Carr. And when, uh, when Carr was like, cause I, you watch them both. There's Carr was mic'd up too, and you watch them both, and then you can piece together the whole story. And so Carr is basically saying, you know, it was the first time in my career, or at least one of the few times in my career, I don't feel like I had to go out there and win this game, man. The team played so great, everybody did so great, I have to win this game. And Gruden kind of looks up at him and he goes, you may still have to go out there and win this game, so don't lighten up or whatever it is he said. And Carr was like, "Oh no, I'm ready, I'm ready." And Gruden's like, "Okay, man, <laughs> like easy, Junior. You know what I mean? Like this thing ain't over yet. You know." So that was that was pretty good. I liked how matter of fact, and I liked hearing Gruden. Look, people, you can speculate all you want about the relationship between Gruden and Carr. Speaking of telling each other they love each other, yeah, you heard that ten times during this thing. I love you, man. I love you, man. Back and forth. That was great. It's great. Good stuff. And, and exactly. And then the thing that freaked me out too, as well as Gruden in the middle, at the end of the game, in the middle of the defense, on the middle of the field, pumping up the defense to win the game for them. Come on, man, put yeah, it together. Yeah. You know, close the door, whatever he said. Hey, you I, know- thought, I thought it would be Paul Gunther, but I'm like, that's Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and also, and not because I kind of piggybacked on what you said earlier as far as my other favorite, but I'll give you another one that just popped into my head. When he started hollering at the clock operator about the four seconds, that shows you how detail-oriented Gruden is. Like, nothing goes by him. Like, when he's like, why did four seconds run off the clock? You know, like, the guy's name was Mark. Yeah. I was like, is that Mark Davis? <laughs> he goes, Mark, Mark, what the hell is four seconds run off the yeah, clock? Yeah, like that That shows you right there. I mean, he's on it, man. That was great. That was great. But he didn't even know an iPad was called an iPad or a tablet. He goes, show me the pictures. Yeah. Where are the pictures? Then the guy gives him the thing, and he goes like this. I don't know. Show me the first play. <laughs> he didn't even know how to swipe left or right. <laughs> that is so Gruden classic. It was it was. One of the best videos of the year. I love it. All right. Enough of that. Oh, my God. This rivalry has continued for a third year in a row. Uh, the You know, we had the coin toss last year. Now we had for the first overall pick this year. And now the Raiders and the 49ers. This damn rivalry. And we played the 49ers for the first time in many years. What the hell is going on with the NFL in this? Now we got a coach 
against the 49ers staff in the senior bowl. Uh, what's going on? Uh, uh, there were shots fired today. Uh, John Lynch or I'm sorry, Shanahan, Shanahan. Remember his father was fired by the Raiders and now Shanahan is the 49ers coach. We have a Bay Area rivalry. Shanahan sh threw shots at the Raiders today. They said, I forgot the tweet, but he goes, um, the senior bowl or something. Most of the players are, they're going to do it in Alabama. And he goes, Alabama, South of Oakland, isn't it? Like made some sort of a comment. I don't know, but I know it was against the Raiders. What's going on with this, Murphy? I don't know. I missed that tweet. I don't know. Yes, Alabama is south of Oakland. It's south of me. It's in Mobile, Alabama is where they play this. Because Raiders have no home. So, you know, uh, we don't want to play at 49ers Stadium. Remember, they're opening their doors, Levi Stadium. Mark yeah. Davis has denied them. So I think that joke, oh, it's Alabama, south of Oakland, it's kind of a dig from the 49ers because the Raiders have no home. I don't know, but I'm trying to say that. Or because the San Francisco 49ers play south of San Francisco in Santa Clara. So they don't, don't they don't really... It's I, I don't hate know. the 49ers. It's a dick. I do too. Okay, it's, it's a dick, Murph. Yeah, it's stupid. No, the 49ers are a stupid organization. I can't stand them, and it all starts with their owner. You want to talk about a moronic owner? Thank, thank, thank Raider Nation. Thank whoever you want to thank that Mark Davis is your owner and not Jed freaking York. York. Like, oh my gosh, man. You want to talk about a knucklehead. The way that the whole, and I won't get into it all, because but the way that the whole Harbaugh thing went down, and all, you want to talk about egos, man. Just fueled by ego. This organization is fueled by ego, and it's in a terrible market now, and they've just trashed their, look, I got a brother that's a Niner fan. I hear, even he is a Niner fan is, uh, is displeased with the way that they treat their fan base and that whole, whatever, their stadium issue, whatever. Okay, so uh, the, in terms of the Senior Bowl itself, though, let's focus on that. I love this because this gives the the coaches, the Raiders coaches, firsthand experience with um, with the players, and it's going to give them give a guy like Mike Mayock, who would have access to him anyways through NFL Network. Now he's going to have access to them once again as a, as the general manager of the team. So I think this is cool, man. I love this kind of stuff, and I'm going to look forward to following this thing. I wish I could go. It's not that far from me. Um, I don't. I don't know if I can can make it there or not. It's kind of you know. It's it's coming up January 26th is the uh, is the day of the game. Um, so I don't think I'll be able to make it or not. But anyways, but it's it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be real raterific. I can tell you that. Very interesting. I just hate the fact that the NFL, for some reason, for three years in a row, is doing something with the Raiders versus 49ers in some aspect. And it's just boggling my mind. Uh, so when I don't understand something, it freaks me out. But you know what? This will be a great opportunity for Gruden to coach up some young players. Um, and, you know, I guarantee you a lot of players that they meet on this Senior Bowl probably will be undrafted with the Raiders or a couple of them drafted or whatnot. And, you know, they're going to build a chemistry early for next season with Mike Mayock as well. So it's a good thing, but boy, I want to win this game now. And I hope Gruden takes it as the Super Bowl versus the 49ers in the senior bowl. So I hope Gruden play, does a play call called you like rock music. How about <laughs> Led Zeppelin? Let's review. Last week's game, um, very quickly. And then we're going to get into basically a quickie season review. I believe the Raiders team, after the big win versus Broncos on Monday night, um, I just think they didn't care or they quit. 
or, you know, they're just emotions were kind of done with after the last Oakland game. And it was a very poor showing versus a team that just a few weeks earlier, you know, we, we kind of handled them to an, an almost last second victory. Uh, it was just a terrible way to end the season in that game coming off a, a big win on Monday. I'm very upset at it still. What are your thoughts, Murph? I think they could have played better, bro. They couldn't even score a touchdown, dude. Yeah, well, the, you got to come up with the plays when they present themselves to you, and especially when you're talking about one of the best teams in the NFL. And, you know, look, there's no one harder on the on himself post-game than Tigger Whitehead was, uh, you know, but he he's one of the guys that – you know, didn't give up then. And I don't think any of them quit, but you could definitely tell they were letting up at the end. Everybody was trying to play. It was playing not to get hurt. And you could definitely tell they were, they were backing off when the game was out of hand. Um, except him, he was still flying around, but he had two interceptions go, you know, one of them in him in the chest and the other one hit him in the hands. And you got to come up with those plays. You got to come up with that sack Arden key on the first freaking drive. You got to come up with that sack, man. Like that's a, that was huge. And while I want to commend him for being in on the play and I want to commend him for the almost this year. And I, and I think that once he gains that half step quarter step, that these are going to turn into a lot more numbers for him. So I want to commend him for that. But at the same time, you got to finish man. And when you have opportunities against a team like this, if you don't capitalize on them, you're going to get blown out because it's, you're already at a disadvantage on talent. So you would then have to take advantage when they make a mistake and the Raiders didn't, they didn't. And then they ended up getting blown out. So, um, you know, while it was encouraging to see that they were in on a lot of plays, it was discouraging that I thought we were finally past that. Like we were making it, we were picking the ball. Look at what we did to Denver, right? We were making those plays, but not this week, man. It didn't happen on the road. So it was unfortunate. I think to Mikey and the last thing I'll say about it is this, is that it was one of the things that uncle Mosh and I were saying to each other after the game is that if this would have been a week earlier, then it wouldn't have been as bad. But because it was such an emotional win, it was such a big deal. The last game in Oakland, beating the, the, the donkeys the way that we did. You know, coming off of a game like that, it lifted our spirits. It encouraged our hearts. And we looked for the Raiders to come out inspired on the road against Kansas City. And we were filled with this idea that maybe we could make a game out of this based on especially how we did when we played them last time. And they didn't. It just fell way short. And, you know, when you again, when you don't make those plays and then you allow for a 67-yard touchdown bomb to Tyreek Hill two plays later, no, there you go. So I think that was – I wish that this game would have been a week earlier. I wish we would have ended the season like we did with that Denver game. Because right. And I'm just going to expunge this one from my memory and just let the season be defined with how we played against the Broncos because that was an amazing moment in Raider history. And there it is. I'm going to do the same exact thing. I don't want to make another drunk game review where everybody gets mad at me for being mad that the Raiders lost. Why don't you have positivity, Mikey? You have, why don't you have, look, I'm drunk right now. (laughs) There's a lot of bad things at the end of the year that are going through my head that I have to create into New Year's resolutions. So add on top of that alcohol. So I have all the bad decisions I made this entire year, all my issues, the Raiders lose, and I'm drinking alcohol. That is not a good post-game recap. 
<laughs> from Mikey Raider. So everybody relax. I'm a Raider for life. I love you all. And I can hate on my team for a few hours every so often. Thank you very much. All right, let's talk about that last game in Oakland. Uh, Raider Nation for life, basically goodbye, Oakland. Uh, your thoughts on the game and the aftermath. I don't know if you caught any of the aftermath with the police, the fans, and some of that stuff that went on. Do you think it was a good end, a great end? Um, I just want to know your thoughts on it, you know, to end our show basically and the season as well. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little more celebration of the fan. I look, I understand why they didn't. I get it. A couple things is that number one, they didn't want to encourage the idea that this would be the last game ever. And you even nailed it from a mile away. They're going to come out with some sort of a statement and say, oh, there's a possibility we could still play there. And they're still saying that. And they still, even, even Mark Davis to this day, despite the lawsuit, he's not taking it off the table that they still could, could play in Oakland. So I think they were trying to downplay that a little bit, even though obviously with the mic'd up and whatever, the underlying thought was that this was going to be it. So it would have been nice to see a little bit more of a celebration of the fans not completely overboard like what Amy Trask was suggesting where they just, you know, they, you know, have free concerts in the parking lots and give everything away. And I, I'm not, I wasn't on board with that, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a celebration. Would have been fun though. Would have been fun. Well, so that would have, that would have been nice. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I mean, uh, you know, I did, I did catch some of the aftermath. I did catch some of the, um, the footage and, you know, yeah, they weren't going to allow the fans to rush the field and let it turn into a fracas and all that. And so, you know, I didn't expect that they, that, that, that went down any differently than what, uh, what we, we, we thought, right. It, but it was not any different than what my expectations were. I figured that's how it was going to be handled. And it was so no big surprise there. And yeah, I mean, it was just kind of underwhelming, but you know what? This season is underwhelming. And so was the team we were playing. They're only a game better than we are right? Like the Broncos are terrible too. So, and it was Christmas Eve. So I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was kind of an odd thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever. Where, I mean, where was Dr. Death? If he's the real Raider fan protesting Mark Davis, he should have been at that game, ran on the field and got arrested. Yeah. Stay <laughs> up in the, you want to, yeah. You want to show your, you should have been in the front row with your stay in Oakland sign or whatever. You know what I mean? With your Las Vegas, if you build it, we won't come. And then so the Raiders can respond to you, good, stay home. We don't need you. Yeah, he was afraid to show up at the stadium, I believe, because there's too much heat on him right now. So he's Heck doing yeah. it for closed doors. Yeah. Um, bad, scary. But, look, I love the game. I thought it was a great way to end it with a great victory. The players had fun. The fans were supporting you know, even people like Violator who were scared, mad about the team leaving, they still went in their Raider gear, made it to the game, supported the team. They danced, they celebrated, and Woodson, Carr, everybody, again, Woodson was rumored to be there. I didn't see any video footage yet, but um, I see there, there was rumors he was hidden there. I don't know, in plain clothes, but yeah, whatever. But it was nice to see Gruden, Derek Carr, and every, it was just a great way to end it. Um, but I don't like how the media reported it. They said chaotic wild Raider fans stormed the field after the game. It was like six people and they got crushed by security. 
and they called them dead bodies. They said, oh, there's a bunch of dead bodies on the field. Yeah, that was one. I think that was Schneidman, and I think he kind of retracted that because, yeah, that was not a good – it was not that bad. It really wasn't. There was very minimal, if anything. There was a couple of drunken knuckleheads that ran on the field, and that was about it. Yeah, so whatever. Raider for the most part, I thought that was actually kind of a cool scene when you see the people dancing on the dugout and all that. Like, I – they actually kind of let the crowd go a little bit. They didn't let them run the field, but they let the crowd hang out and party a little bit and dance and have fun. And like, that was cool. And I, I, I rhapsodized about uh, Raider fan uh, on our show on Raiders fan radio, because I thought it was awesome. I thought the way that, 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 that the fans handled themselves was great. I thought they represented, I thought it was a cool scene, man. I, I it yep, was very, it very was. cool. So That's no, what I'm saying. I it was a great way. Absolutely. So I want, I want that to be the end. I'm not saying this in a disrespectful manner, because if we do it another year, will we have even a winning team? Will it be a home Monday night game against Denver in the season finale in 2019 if we play in Oakland? So I say end it now. Like, that was the best I could have hoped for from everybody. And so it's, I say and it's, end it now. And it's time to rip off the Band-Aid if there's one to rip off, right? Like it's like it eventually, just like with any relationship, you get to a point where it's like, all right, let's just, it's over. Let's move on. And I feel like now with the way that that the Raiders and Oakland are coming to, you know, not not resolutions yet, but the where we're at now, this is a good time to just part. Like, let's just split it up yep. now. We're done. Let's you go on your direction. I'll go on mine. You know what I mean? And not you, Mikey. It's the proverbial you, right? Wait, oh, my God. Hey! I didn't even realize. We, we almost went through the season finale without <laughs> Murph saying the proverbial you. I didn't see. I don't even pay attention to this stuff. I'm telling you. I almost feel like I had to wedge it in there a little bit, but I really did mean that. So it's not. <laughs> it, it may have been strategic, but it wasn't premeditated. <laughs> Wasn't planned for me. All right, let's do a quickie season review. We'll do some um, more on the next show uh, in depth. But this is the 2018 Oakland Raiders quickie. All right. I've, I've had a lot of quickies in my life. All right. And they all haven't turned out so well. No, I haven't been, uh, I haven't been here for them, so this will be the first. It could be quickies. could be anything. Videos, eating candy bars, you know. It could be a lot of different okay, things. Okay, good deal. All right. All right. Uh, give me your best and worst game. Uh, worst game was the Niners. That was embarrassing for all the reasons that you said earlier about the Raiders. Um, that was that was awful. Um, so, but that, the terms of that rivalry and being on prime time and all that that was just that was terrible. So, definitely the worst game was the Niners, and it was like our last battle of the Bay, like our last chance to have bragging rights and whatever, uh, and we lost it. And the best game was by far Denver. I mean, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh game was really cool. Uh, beating Pittsburgh was 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 a nice one, but man, that was magical. Beating the beating the Broncos was our Super Bowl this year. So, uh, definitely that was our, my best and worst. Uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with you on the best, the Denver game to way to close it out um, with that punt return and everything. I just beautiful. I couldn't have done it better myself. So I'm going to stick with you that on my best. And I could say the 49ers again, that could be, that probably is my worst, but just uh, you know, for different sake, I'm going to say the Rams game uh, because coming off of the Khalil Mack trade, I think in that game, we were like one sack away <laughs> from maybe winning the game, you know, with just losing Khalil Mack. So, you know, to start the season off with a loss 
versus the Rams that, after trading Khalil Mack kind of hurt. I'm with you. I was at that game, and being that that was Gruden's return to not only the NFL, but Monday Night Football, there was a lot of dynamics going on. The Rams were the preseason favorite. There was expectations all over the place, and we capped it off with a pick six to Marcus Peters, who grabbed his junk going into the end zone. Like, yeah, that was not a good moment for us. Now, if that game would have been further down on the schedule, I would have put it as the worst. But being that it was like the end of the first game, it was like, okay, that sucked, but we got 15 more of these things to go. So it wasn't quite as disheartening. But yeah, I'm with you. And it sucks too that like, you know, I'd never seen them lose. I'd never in person seen the Raiders, uh, at least not in Oakland. It's never seen the Raiders lose a football game until then. That was the first one. So yeah, I'm with you. Raiders on never lose. It's just win, baby. Yeah, Everything's a win. <laughs> it's all about how you look at it, baby. Every every game's a win. Uh, who's your rookie standout from the season? Maurice Hurst, man. And I think that he kind of fell off a little bit here at the end. I don't know if he's dealing with injuries or whatnot. A lot of times you just see rookies will fall off anyways. They just tend to lose their legs a little bit. Uh, the You know, look, a 16-game schedule is grueling coming out of the college ranks, and a lot of times you'll see uh, non-running back rookies kind of lose their legs a little bit towards the, the, the end of the season, and so that's probably what we saw. But outside of that, by all accounts, he was great. I thought Maurice Hurst was showed to be an impact player, certainly more so than, than even P.J. Hall at that interior uh, tackle position, so I'm looking forward to see what that big man can do going forward. Yeah, um, ooh, I love it. We've learned this show. We're now like, bam, we're getting our answers in and then we're moving on. Uh, my rookie standout, again, just to be different, I could 100% agree with Maurice Hirsch. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Colton Miller in there, not because he's one of the amazing linemen in the NFL. It's just this guy was thrown into the fire from day one at left tackle, never yeah. having played a down in the NFL. He played the entire season pretty much. He was injured a lot. Whether he gave up sacks or not, again, that's not what I'm disputing. I'm just saying this damn guy, probably the second or third best tackle, according to draft experts, was drafted early, was thrown into the fire to protect Carr, and played all 16 games and finished the season. That is pretty damn solid in my book. Mike McGlinkley, I don't know if he finished the season with every game played as well uh so i think he would missed one game or something or two games of the 49ers show colton miller man what, what a way to just hang tough brother so uh mvp on offense and defense uh mvp on offense is rodney hudson uh the guy i don't still i think he finished the season not allowing a single pressure and I haven't seen what the PFF rankings uh, are uh, at the completion of this last weekend, but I'm pretty sure he's still probably number one. And uh, as far as, as I think an unheralded position uh, and on, on, you know, and obviously a, a, a football team that's underachieved. So he's not going to get a lot of attention, but you know, interior linemen don't get a like, guard. They were talking about like last night on the, on the game. Like it's one of the most under celebrated positions there is. And right after that is center. Nobody talks about how great your center is. Uh, so I think uh, so, but I'm going to, because I think Rodney Hudson is not only a, a great player on the field, but he's a great leader of the football team. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful he's on, he's on our team. And I think that if we were to have a pro bowler, that's the guy even more so than Jared cook. I think that that's the guy, uh, is, is Rodney Hudson. And then on, on defense, my MVP is to your whitehead. I think he's been a great addition to our football team. I think that he is unfortunately been asked 
to be the focal point of the front seven almost is, is it, you know, some of you could, you could say some of the linemen, uh, but really when you look at, at, at that front seven, he's the guy and he's the guy still flying around the ball and making the tackles. And yes, he doesn't come up with the only interceptions that we would like him to, but he's at least he's getting there, right? At least he's in the right spots. So I think the most consistent player that we had for the entirety of the 16 game schedule on defense was to ear Whitehead. And I think that hopefully the Raiders will draft an interior linebacker or an inside linebacker, or maybe sign somebody like C.J. Mosley, like I suggested earlier, and then that will take some of the pressure off of him. And then that will allow him to kind of, you know, breathe a little bit, not feel like he has to make every single play. And and I think once you do that and you free him up a little bit, then he's going to be a playmaker, man. He wasn't Detroit. I mean, he's, he's a, he was their leading tackler. Like, this guy can play, man. And, and he's proved it that he can play in silver and black, too. Uh, my defensive MVP, again, agree with you 100%, but... I'm just going to say Gary on Connolly. Uh, we finally sure. showed the, he finally showed in the previous four or five games, the brilliance of his draft positioning and what he could be in the NFL before the concussion. And that was a pleasure to watch. And we really need a cornerback after Charles Woodson or somebody to be a defensive MVP. So he came along for me so I could put him as a defensive MVP especially in the latter, the latter part of the season. MVP on offense, um, I'm going to go Jared Cook. Um, he was Derek Carr's option for the previous two seasons, and he's just the best weapon that Derek Carr had, basically beyond Lynch on occasion. So that's my MVP for offense and defense. And if there's one player – from your perspective, <laughs> that John Gruden would consider non-tradable, <laughs> who would that player be on this team? Derek Carr. The hardest thing in the NFL to get is a franchise quarterback, and regardless of whether you think he's elite or not or whatever, he is fully serviceable. And uh, and look, he's going to be the all-time leading passer for the Raiders, whether you know anybody likes it or not. So I think Derek Carr is the man. And Mike, you have to step away from the computer for about two seconds, and I will be right back. You got it. My non-tradable player will be, I could say Derek Carr, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to say kicker Daniel Carlson, because according to John Gruden, he stated Daniel Carlson is actually his favorite player. So kicker Daniel Carlson kind of looks like John Gruden's son. So I'm going to say the non-tradable player is, of course, it's Derek Carr, but I'm going to say kicker Daniel Carlson because Gruden said he's his favorite player and he looks like a Gruden. He looks like a, a family member of Gruden. So Daniel Carlson looks like possibly a non-tradable player. Yeah, I know the show went a little bit long. So are you okay with giving me about another half an hour, Murph? Uh, yes. Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah. If we could cut it out at 530, that'd be great. Yes, we will. I promise. As long as you're good till that time, we're good. Thanks, Murph. Uh, there's Derek Carr's young quarterbacks inside the pocket rating. According to passer rating for quarterbacks in the league for five years or less, Derek Carr's among the top at 101.1% under Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for throwing inside the pocket. That's an amazing stat. Look at some of the rookies, lowest rated in the NFL. So Derek Carr is a solid quarterback. What say you on all the Derek Carr haters, naysayers, and moving forward for Derek Carr? 
I say pick your battles with your fandom. You know, there are a lot of areas of our football team to be critical of. And take it easy on old number four, man. He's a little bit of a cornball. And, you know, sometimes he'll throw a pass and you're like, ooh, what was he doing there? But, you know, look, for anybody that uh, that cares to, go back and watch Jim Plunkett highlights. It was some of the most ugliest passes you've ever seen in your life. And there were lots of times where you were like, oh, gosh, what's he doing? But he won two Super Bowls, right? Like, it's just, it happens, man. Like, you're go- you're going to have inconsistent play at times. Not everybody is Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, right? Most of your, most players are, you know, Alex Smith. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what you typically get at a quarterback. So, you know, the guy is not only can, can he make the, the throws, he's pretty durable. He's a good leader. You know, he's pretty sharp. He's sharp enough at least to pick up on on what this offense is. He's already been paid. Like, he's coming into the prime of his career. Like, easy with that. Like, just let let Carr be Carr. Like, just, you know, look, I, I think that if you look, if you just look at some of the other teams around the league, look at what Kirk Cousins did with the Minnesota Vikings this year. They have Kyle Rudolph. Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, right? Like, look at all the different play- – Latavius Murray, Dalvin Cook. Like, look at all the playmakers they have on offense, and look at what freaking Kirk Cousin turned in. Can you imagine what our offense would look like if we had even two of those players in addition to what we already have? How would Derek Carr look offensively if he's got Thielen and Diggs to throw to? Oh, are you kidding me? Like, come on, man. Like, it's not car. So easy, haters. And I'm not being a bootlicker. I'm just telling you, look around the league a little bit. And the guys that aren't of those top of the top that I named, look at how he contrasts to those guys. And he's pretty freaking good. So I think we're great with Derek Carr. Leave my heck alone. Again, Derek Carr has had a record-breaking year in terms of stats and all that. And he also was on record-breaking pace for uh, not throwing interceptions in a row until this last game. But still, I mean, he's coming into his own. He is a good quarterback. I didn't say great, but he's a good quarterback that could get even better. Uh, Matt Schneidman reported, and this is why he's one of Gruden's favorite, rookie kicker Daniel Carson is currently, well, that's before this week's game. I got this on Saturday. But uh, he's probably at 94%, 15 out of 17, whatever the new stats are. But – um. He's beating the record of Sebastian Janikowski for field goal percentage uh, for the Raiders. So Daniel Carson's looking like a gem. What say you on Daniel Carson? Yeah, this was a nice surprise. And, you know, and I was considering that we drafted Eddie Pinero. I was surprised to hear John Gruden say that this is going to be our kicker for the future. Um, and good for him. I mean, he, he washed out in Minnesota real quick, right? Like he was one for four and they cut him. And uh, we signed him and had we had four kickers this year. We had Panero, we had McCrane. Matt McCrane, we had who else was it? There's oh uh, Giorgio Tavecchio, right? And then and then uh, and then this guy. So you know the idea that he was wait was that right? Was it Tavecchio? Who's the fourth? We had Eddie Pinero, yeah. Giorgio Tavecchio, Matt McCrane, Daniel Carlson. That was it. Yeah, that was and the then fourth. There was one veteran. There was a veteran that came in for one game. Was it like Mike Nugent? Did we bring him in for a minute? It, it might have been Mike. Anyways, Nugent. whatever it was, but yeah. So the idea that now we've landed on this kid, yeah, fine. You know what I mean? Like whatever. I mean, he's a kicker. You know, I don't get too yeah. wound up about kickers and punters and backup linemen and all. But that he looks kind of... good. He's making the but... big kicks, and 
I, I want to see one over 55 so far. That's but the I- thing is that we don't know how big of a boot that he's got, but look, he's, it's more important to be consistent than look as much as we loved Seabass and watching him kick 60 yarders and going out there all because with the body that we have, you know what I mean? Like, it's cool to see somebody that looks like you go out and, you know, not you, yep. but me too, like the all of us, you. the proverbial <laughs> you, all of us, that looks cool to see somebody that looks like the regular guy and go out there and boot a 60 Like, that was fun and have the big giant leg and all that. But the more important thing is to be consistent. That's why Adam Vinatieri is 46 years old, looks like Santa Claus, and still has a job in the NFL because he's consistent. So is, you know, and it doesn't, you don't have to be consistent from 60. You got to be consistent from 40. You know what I mean? You, you saw the white beard from Anna Vinatieri. Oh my gosh! I know, right? Well, he's crushing it with that beard, man. Makes mine look like weak sauce, dude. Uh, and um, real quickly, just to you know, uh, announce an error. We drafted Johnny Townsend, not Eddie Pinheiro. Eddie Pinheiro was an undrafted free agent. That's Johnny right. Townsend was the seventh or fifth rounder. Excuse me. That's right. Yeah, and then we then we uh, we we signed Eddie because he was that was Townsend's teammate, right? Yeah, the Florida connection. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the yeah, Gator okay. Brothers that's or whatever right. yep, they are. Yep, yep. So, thank goodness the official draft order is in. The Raiders actually and are officially at the number four overall pick, which leaves them in very good position because the top three teams are not going to need a quarterback. And in drafts, teams trade up or down for quarterbacks normally. I don't know how many there are in this year's draft. But still, number four overall pick for the Raiders is still plenty of good positioning to get a defensive stud, possibly a la Quentin Williams, who is pitchered, or move down a few spots and let another team move up to get the first quarterback in the draft, and we get more picks. Uh, what say you on an early draft preview with the number four overall pick? Well, first off, we're going to have a lot of draft. Draft is in Nashville this year, so we'll be there. Raiders fan, Ra- Raiders fan, Raiders fan radio microphones will be live from Nashville. So you're going to have a lot of, a lot of coverage coming from us. Um, just, just quick thought. Uh, I would love to see them get past rusher because I would love to see somebody on the opposite side of Arden Key. And I think a lot of people would, but uh, I don't think that's where they go. I think that they go, they could potentially go inside linebacker, depending on what we do in free agency. But I am not even sold on that one entirely. I think that we're going to go offensive line again. I think you could see a tackle. As crazy as that sounds, I think you're, look, you're going to, Mike Mayock loves him some offensive linemen. John Gruden loves him some offensive linemen and you cannot be effective in the league with your quarterback playing off his ass. Like, and that's what happened to Derek Carr this year. He got sacked 48 times or whatever, 49 times. Look, you cannot be effective. And as good as, as, as Colton Miller did at times. And as much as Brandon Parker grew and progressed, I still think you need depth and you, and, and, and even I don't get caught up in backup linemen, Mikey, but you got to have depth. You got to, why did the Colts, you watch, anybody watch a game last night between the Colts and Titans? Why are the Colts doing so well? Because Andrew Luck doesn't get touched anymore. He is so well protected and they have so much invested into the five guys in front of him that now all of a sudden he's able to sit back there and just be Andrew Luck. Well, that's what we need. We need Derek Carr to just be able to sit back there and be Derek Carr and not have to worry about all this crazy pressure that he's under constantly. So don't be shocked, Raider Nation, if we pull a tackle or a guard in the first round. Yep, I completely agree. And Mike Mayock has stated in many interviews that are being looked at uh, that 
you the Raiders actually had a great offensive line, but it was too expensive. And he said, you got to build the offensive line in the draft for those early seasons with stud players because that way you can build the team with that money as opposed to investing in the offensive line. So not only for quarterbacks need to be drafted early for cheap money to possibly win Super Bowls, some or a couple of offensive linemen as well. So it's very interesting. Um, I guess today's day one of the offseason. So what player and what coach from your perspective from last season should be fired, let go, released today, tonight, tomorrow. Well, thankfully, we didn't see a lot of Reggie Nelson here down the stretch because, uh, yeah, he's my first one. Like, I, you know, and I think that he's a little bit maligned at times, you know, as far as his coverage skills. But the, the, and the reason that he takes bad angles is because he's just, a, frankly, lost a step. And Father Time is undefeated. And I think that while he may be one of the smartest guys that we have on defense, he just doesn't have the playmaking ability anymore. So it's time to part, part ways with, with Reggie Nelson. And uh, as far as firings go, Tom Cable didn't do much to impress uh, me or anybody else at all this year. Uh, you know, he was whatever whatever you want to think about Tom Cable and his prior performance with the Seahawks and all that kind of all I know is this is that we took a step back on the line this year now granted a lot of it had to do with with injuries we had we were majorly injured and, and impacted by injuries on the offensive line but if you're a great coach you coach your kids up you, you coach up the next man up and uh, we didn't see any of that I didn't see anybody Really, did you notice a discernible difference by Tom Cable being our head coach when it got tough? And that's when coaches shine, man. When it gets tough, you can you have you know all pros at, at all five positions on the line. Well, it's easy to coach that. What's hard to coach is it when you're challenged. Well, when he was challenged, we fell flat. You know what I mean? And we it showed up. Look, we how is it? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get mad, Mikey. How is it that we keep <laughs> Chubb and Miller in check? all game long, and then we go to freaking Kansas City, who by all accounts is one of the worst defenses in the league, and all of a sudden we can't protect Derek Carr anymore, and we got Kelechi back for that game. Like, what the heck, man? I mean, so that's on on cable. So if we're going to fire anybody, see you, Tom. We've seen you enough. Saw you once enough the first time. Yeah, um, I'm going to throw Donald Penn under the bus. I don't see him working with – he's too much money next year. He's – getting injured too much late in the season and he has a little bit of a chemistry character flaw in terms of the media and the press and I don't want that a part of the team anymore so that would be the player I would just move on from right now and uh but offensive linemen are valuable and that might not happen uh what coach again I'm gonna say 100% the D-line coach I don't know his name I didn't even look it up I could agree with Tom Cable, but I'm going to go D-line coach. Uh, I mean, if you could not get more than one sack out of Arden Key, who was in the backfield 50 times right next to the quarterback, you say, oh, that's not the coach's problem. Well, he should have taught him another technique, (laughs) something. I don't know. But the D-line coach, I I didn't see much progression. I I really didn't. I saw Paul Gunther really progressing, but the coach of the D-line, he didn't find one diamond in the rough beyond Maurice Hurst in terms of defensive pressure. So I don't know. I think he could have put cornerbacks at defensive end blitz or put, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm going to say the D-line coach. I'll leave it at that. 
That would Let's be Mike on. Mike Turgovac and the assistant Marco Coleman. Those are your defensive line coaches. Yeah, you know, not gonna, not gonna. What's your name's not gonna, not gonna be here anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, give me your top three draft needs from your perspective in the draft. Your yeah, I kind of touched on it already. So uh, yeah, tackle and then inside linebacker and then last I would say corner. You know, we need somebody that can. Well, and I don't know if it's a corner. Essentially, uh, here's. <laughs> I do think we need corners, but we need secondary, but a twofold in the secondary. Because not only do you need somebody because you just need corners because it's the NFL nowadays and everybody's throwing the ball over the place. But if you look at what tight ends do to us and have been doing to us for a long time, they drafted safeties and especially somebody like uh, like Obi Melifonwu to help cover a guy like Travis Kelsey. So I don't necessarily think we need to go out and draft another safety. Maybe it could be a linebacker that can cover. I don't know, but we kind of need help with somebody to cover a damn tight end. Like whatever that is, do that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, defensive end is a need. Uh, defensive line in general, uh, that could be number one, but who knows? I think that should be addressed with a veteran. Uh, if we can't get an amazing Khalil Mack type. Oh, I'm sorry, who's Mack? Um, Josh whatever. Allen's I'm- the guy. Josh Allen out of Kentucky <laughs> is the one that I'm hoping for. I don't, I don't think we're going to have a shot at Nick Bosa, and I'm glad because he's got daddy issues. His dad's like the LeVar ball of freaking football. So let's stay away from that guy. But what I do want to, what I, I, but Josh Allen out of Kentucky is a stud and he can stand up and cover too. So he's not just a pass rusher. That kid can get out and move a little bit. Not that that he's an exciting player. Yeah. I'd like to see a running back drafted real early, uh, a very powerful uh, out of the backfield can catch passes. If there's a Todd Gurley type, I could really want to see that early. I think defensive end, running back, and um, yeah, let's go middle linebacker for, from my views. Okay, give me some quick expectations for the Raiders. Where are they going to play? What will, will it be? Will it be a lame duck season? Will they do cheap free agency or spend a lot of money? <laughs> will the Raiders have more wins? And what is Derek Carr's future? Yeah, I think with eighty-five million dollars, you're only uh, you know you're only gonna go up as far as your spending goes. And there's some great players that are gonna be available. I mentioned CJ mostly twice now. I'm gonna mention him a third time because I mean, talk about a difference maker. When you look at the teams this year that have really been making a big difference on defense, which is hard nowadays because of the way that the rules are. When you look at what the Cowboys linebackers are doing, Van Der Esch and and Smith. When you look at um, Gosh, I don't know. When you look at Zach Cunningham and what he's doing in, in in Houston, when you look at what Bobby Wagner is still doing in Seattle, when you the the days of the inside middle linebacker, the field general, the Mike Singletary, you know those days are kind of over. But you've seen this year, based on what the the rules impacts have been to the secondaries, you've kind of seen a reemergence a little bit of the inside linebacker now. And I, th- it's been a weakness for our team for a long, long time. And so I think that if there's an opportunity for us to spend a little bit more than maybe what we would want to and to pull in somebody like a cj mosley let's do it raiders let's go ahead and pull the trigger on it let's go ahead and get him in here and see what he does you know is there money out there to be spent on earl thomas is there you know what i mean there's a there's a handful of players i don't like the lev bell idea i don't think the raiders are going to spend that kind of money um and they really our needs are not there for a player like that um so i, I don't expect that but But I think we're going to see some pretty fun moves, some pretty exciting, encouraging moves in the free agent market. You can't help but be encouraged by three first-round draft picks, so that's going to be fun. This is going to be one of the most fun uh, off-seasons we've had in a long, long time. And then ultimately when we get into the season, eight and eight, you know? 
yeah let's i mean not maybe like an eight and eight type year and uh you know and I, I i know enough i've had my hand burnt finally now after 46 years on this planet or almost 46 years on this planet i know enough to to, to you know think better of than, than the idea that the raiders are going to go to the super bowl this year i just every year and probably <laughs> when we do this show in you know august i'll probably be on here going oh yeah we're 12 and 4 mikey we're gonna be great but I need to know better than to not do that. So let's just go eight and eight. All right. Uh, I wrote stupid questions. I'll try to answer them in a row quickly. Where will they play? I have a feeling it'll be London. Will we have a lot of fans still? Yes. I think we will build our brand even more. Will it be a lame duck season um, for some players? Yes. Uh, cheap. Will it be a cheap free agency or will we spend a lot of money? I don't think we're going to spend that much. I think it'll be another one or two year type free agent market um, going into 2020 when maybe they really have a lot of money and more free agents are available and they can go into that season with the high priced, you know, veterans or whatever. Once Mark Davis officially gets that money, will we have more wins next season? I do believe it. Gruden has been coaching great as of late. I believe we have seven wins. Maybe we go seven to nine somehow and Derek Carr is the future of the franchise all right let's get into the fun segment since this has been a very excellent but long show me and Murph are not good at predicting we do not like doing it uh we we can't do it correctly but the playoffs have arrived and I want to make an official contest between me and you Murph for the predicting champ between two losers basically we are the predicting losers but we're going to have a contest. We were predicted uh, the playoff schedule all the way to the Super Bowl, each one of us. And we're doing this for bragging rights, maybe $10, I don't know, to be the predicting champ. So let's look at uh, Murph's official pitch and explain your pitch, Murph, and why you went with them. All right. I think uh, I think ultimately in the playoffs, despite the rule changes in the NFL, I think that there's a lot to be said for playing good defense. And so I think that defenses are going to ultimately win out. Uh, you got to you got to be able to play defense, and you got to be able to run the football. There's some things that just don't change. And when you look at the offensive teams that have won uh, the Super Bowl, they're few and far between. And the only one that really has done it or one of them anyways, was the, was the New Orleans Saints. And so uh, so just to go in order real quick, I think Houston, again, defense, that's defensively is going to be enough to beat, uh, is going to beat the Colts, plus they've got a home game there. I think Kansas City is going to be too tough of an opponent for Houston to then beat on the road, which lands Kansas City then in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Baltimore is playing over their heads a little bit. I, I think Lamar Jackson is a nice player, but he's a rookie. And uh, while they're, they might be enough to be able to win at home against a, a charge team with again with that defense to then go on and win on the road in Foxborough in January that's a pretty freaking tall order so give me the Patriots there and then I think Kansas City while I would love to see them go one and done I think they're going to go uh, one and one and they're going to win that game against uh, Houston where they uh, then travel then to New England and again too tough of a task for them and Andy Reid's going to go all Andy Reid and that lands uh, the the Patriots in the Super Bowl once again um, 
Seattle is going to go get all over Dallas defensively. Uh, you know, Dallas, despite Dak Prescott balling out the way that he did numbers wise, they're pretty bad. I mean, you, Cooper was being all Cooper uh, once again, like, you know, big shocker there, right? That Amari Cooper drops the ball and fumbles it, right? It just only took you a few weeks to figure that out, Dallas. So, uh, so he's going to go all, uh, so Seattle's going to win that game and then take on the Rams, who the Rams, by all accounts, are, are the better team uh, this year and especially playing at home there in the Coliseum. And so then they're going to take on the, uh, uh, the New Orleans Saints, who are going to have, uh, I think, going to be an interesting game against, uh, against the Bears. And, and I may be mixing up some of these home games, so, but my pick's not going to change regardless there. But I think the Bears got, got the home game, obviously, against the, the Eagles. Eagles kind of stumbled their way into the playoffs. Chicago is going to be really, really tough at home, uh, but they're not going to have to go on the road to then play New Orleans. And uh, New Orleans is just so freaking lights out. I don't care who you got on defense, man. They are just going to they're, – they're a, they're a monster in that Superdome. And so that puts them uh, then matching up against the Rams. Same thing holds true they're a monster at home the rams would have to travel in and play on that turf and they're not going to beat the rams so so this is probably mostly all the fan in me talking here but i would love to see a breeze brady super bowl you want to talk about one of the all-time great matchups as a football fan i don't take your raider hatred as far as hating the patriots out and all that stuff take all that stuff out just think of it as far as greatness goes hall of famer versus hall of famer you know in the twilights of their careers Brady, breedy Brady, breedy breedy brady breeze give me that matchup all day long and i'm gonna root for breeze to come away as the vector there to get his second super bowl ring i love you murph you get so afraid to even talk about an enemy of the raiders you don't even want to i, I don't know can i i can't i don't want to talk like you're so amazing because but people sh- gosh dude every time i say anything positive about tom brady holy cow man the the, the twitter <laughs> warriors come after me bro oh good you know, F them. It's the playoffs. <laughs> we're trying to have fun. We're predicting. I, like I said, for most of them, we're more Raiders than they'll ever be for most of these people that just get mad for no reason. But I, I love you all. Uh, so there it is. He predicts New Orleans. And let me see if I got my picks up here. All right. So I'll go in summary. You did a good job, by the way, Murph. Um, I believe Houston beats Indy, even though Andrew Luck and the Colts are playing great. I just see Deshaun Watson making a couple of big plays, and their kicker is just lights out, Kai Fairbairn. Plus, it's a home game for Houston. And, you know, they're kind of on a roll. They got a good defense that can play great. They haven't been playing great late, but I think they pulled it through. And then the Chiefs got a home game, and I I don't know why, but I think the Chiefs are pretty damn strong. Patrick Mahomes is the better Deshaun Watson I think he pulls out that game. Then you go down to Baltimore versus the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I believe the Chargers beat the damn Baltimore. I don't like Baltimore's offense. I know they run the ball a lot with Lamar Jackson, but somebody's going to figure it out and stop it, and maybe Joey Bosa and the Chargers' defense is going to stop them. Plus, you know, the NFL wants the Chargers to win a big game because they're not getting a lot of ticket sales and they want them, you know, going into a new stadium. They want to make the Chargers a big brand and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then the Patriots got a home game versus the Chargers. And who beats the Patriots? Themselves only. So the Patriots will go versus the Chiefs. Then we'll start at Seattle versus Dallas. I don't know why I got Dallas in there. 
maybe because the damn owner and the NFL are in cahoots. Seattle's offensive line is banged up. Uh, Russell Wilson, I don't know. Pete Carroll got a contract extension. Dallas and the NFL are in cahoots. He helped bring the Raiders to Vegas. So the NFL is going to help Dallas for some damn reason. That's my opinion. Uh, <laughs> then we got Dallas versus the L.A. Rams. The Rams are just the class for the NFL at the moment. On defense, they could play a greatest game in the world. On offense, they could have the greatest game in the world. The NFL loves them. They got a new stadium in 2020 as well. The Rams are the darling of the NFL. So they win that game. Then we got Chicago versus Philly. Philly ain't going to do nothing. There ain't going to be no Philly special. There's going to be plenty of Philadelphia cheesesteaks. There ain't going to be no special, though. Chicago is going to win that game. And then everybody's going to think Khalil Mack, the ex-Raider, was the worst trade in the century. Then they got to face the New Orleans Aints. The Aints going to win. Rams versus New Orleans. Two powerhouse offenses. A young quarterback versus Drew Brees. What will happen? And I believe the Rams pull it out because the NFL wants the Rams in the Super Bowl in the season before they get a new stadium. And then you know the New England Patriots are going to win somehow. Rob Gronkowski is going to announce it's going to be his final season. Tom Brady will throw him the ball against the Chiefs. Him and Travis Kelsey will have the biggest NFL battle on stage. Both of them probably 200 yards, two touchdowns. Tight end versus tight end, and the Patriots will somehow win it and lose their dynasty, their coach, their tight end to the brand new L.A. Rams. So we'll find out who's the true champ in a couple episodes from now, Murph. But I think I got an edge, brother. I think I got an edge. Good luck, Mikey. Good luck, good luck. And... Just a little behind the scenes video. I'm going to show it because we got to end this show. But I wanted to share the funniest moment or video from this season that I love. And here it is. Murph's visit with Mikey. I just thought it was a funny <laughs> video. It was the first time we met in real life. And then you came through and we were doing our shows. And it's one of the coolest moments on this season from my perspective. Uh and real quickly, I just want to thank you, Murph. You put a lot of work into the stats. So these are the behind-the-scenes things that people don't understand. You know, you're in constant communication. You're always on point. You're always ready with your technology. And we write scripts. People don't know that. We write scripts. We try to come up with the best headlines, even though we're not 100% the best. We're an actual studio ourselves, like ESPN. But I want to thank you. And that's some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't see. And you've talked me down a lot, Murph. You've talked <laughs> me down. You've helped me out. Um, I've gotten mad at you, and you've calmed me down. I've gotten mad at the team, the fans. And I've actually wanted to quit like doing shows on many occasions. And you've always been there for me. And so you're not only the co-host or a host, if you want to call it. You're also a good friend. And I want to thank you very much for inspiring me to do the show this season. And I truly couldn't have done it without you. And thank you very much. And if you have a behind-the-scenes story that's funny or interesting, let's share that with the people on our finale season finale. 
Yeah, I mean, not to be too repetitive, but yeah, our, our trip down there or my trip down there as I passed through Los Angeles was, was a blast. Um, that was the first week of the season. Uh, I was on my way up to, uh, to the Raider game, and you and I had a chance to, uh, to link up and hang out for a little while, and it was a lot of fun, man. It was, it w- it was definitely cool and filming some stuff and, and seeing your, your Raiders collection, which you know, you, I know you can't show a lot of your stuff because of the, um, the copyright you know, rules and all that stuff, but Mikey has got a phenomenal uh, collection of Raiders memorabilia, um, jerseys and cards and signs and um, figurines and you, you name it, man. His house is like a freaking Raiders museum, and it's just it was so, so cool to see all that stuff. So um, to, to see your fandom in action uh, in your studio there and all that stuff, that was cool, man. That was really cool. So I, that was definitely a, a highlight for me as well and i and i and i you know i send the same message back to you mike you've become a great friend and uh and, and i really appreciate your dedication and hard work and you know you're right people don't see a lot of the the work that goes into this and it's you know for a, a two hour plus episode like we've done tonight there's another two plus hours of work that goes into at least um that goes into the building of that whether it's building sets and setting up camera shots and all that stuff and and just let alone researching content and everything so it's not just about you know watching a game and then flipping on a microphone and being like okay hey now i'm gonna go talk about the raiders it's there's a lot more that goes into it so i appreciate your dedication i appreciate your passion um for the Raiders and for this show. It's been a lot of fun, man, you know, to do this, uh, uh, this endeavor that is Mondays with Mikey and Murph, man, has been an, an absolute blast, man. I've had a lot of fun. And that's ultimately what all this is all about. It's about having fun, man. It's about having fun. And, and despite how bad the team has been at times, it's always been fun to get on here and to talk to you about the Raiders. And, and it's because you make it fun. And so I hope other people. I'm going to put you on the spot, Murph. Uh-oh. It's the season finale. We got to put you on the spot. First off, thank you for my Christmas gift. Murph actually got me the Carl Weathers card that I showed on a few episodes back. And I thank you. It's now one of my favorites because it's like Hollywood and Raiders history. And I love them both. So thank you very much, Murph. But on screen, we have me doing my mumble rap. You can't hear it. Nobody can hear it right now. But that was a great moment from the year where I tried to make a Goonies mumble rap. But um, everybody wanted you to rap or sing the theme song. And you said you would not do it unless the Kansas City Chiefs, we we beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Correct. And we we did not beat them. But I implore you, Murph, you're not going to rap, but you're going to sing the theme song out with me. You know, I know you can't hear it. Go off of my cues. You know the rhythm and you know the beat. But you gotta sing the theme song with well, me. People won't hear it though, right? Because we're both going at the same time. One of us cuts out, so they may not hear me. Oh, you're singing it. I'm gonna start it, and you gonna finish it, baby. Oh man, no, no, no. That's your gig, dude. Nope, nope. This is the season finale, oh, and the I started with me, and it ends with Murph. All right, well, I can't hear anything, so I can only go off of your cue, and then I'll just do the 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 main line there, and then that will be it. Okay. Yeah, it'll be funny. It'll be good, but okay. at least do it. But real quickly, uh, let everybody know where they can find you because we got to always remind people about your amazing content. Yeah, please support uh, Murph's Fan Cave at uh, youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S 
fan cave uh, right here. That's here on my shirt, and you can see the, our website and whatnot below. But uh, Mikey has just been an amazing uh, um, uh, encourager of us to do this YouTube thing. I never set out to be a YouTuber. I set out to be a podcaster and turned into a YouTuber, and, and I love it. It's great, and I love it because of the interaction with everybody that, uh, just like on this show, I can't read the chat on this show, but I always go back and read it. And so, um, so because of that, that's why we have embraced it. So please support uh, our show in that way. Merce Fan Cave um, on the on the YouTube there. Subscribe to us, and then uh, and thank you for let me. And I want to make sure we get out of here before this last episode. Uh, before we get out of here, thank you to all of those of you that are listening. Thank you to all of those of you that are watching now. Without you, none of this would be possible. We wouldn't get on here and do all this if it was just Mikey and I. I mean, we would still hang out and talk Raiders, but to do it with an audience is 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 really a blessing. And thank you to those of you that have supported us and uh, and have, have been an encourager of of me and Mikey and our collaboration because we are two uniquely different people. And I think that's what makes it so cool. And so thank you to those of you and, and what you've done to, to uh, encourage and support that. Yes. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you guys for being a part of Mondays with Mike and Murph on our inaugural season. Hopefully YouTube doesn't cancel us and we're around for season two, <laughs> but I guarantee you we will have off season specials probably once a month at least. And maybe with some breaking news, maybe me and Murph are able to get in contact with each other and get like a little interview news special out there. But beyond that, we are not going anywhere. We're always returning and we're always going to try to bring the fun, the debate, and most importantly, the fandom and love back to the Raider Nation. So let's do it, Murph. Right, I'm going to say go. on the count of three right. and then I'll start it and then you'll finish it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. It's Mondays, Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt because we are new Raiders talk show. We have a good time. Let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Yes. No. He, was, he wasn't offbeat that much. He wasn't offbeat that that much. He's Murph. He's my good, good bud. We're rapping at the end of the show. Come on, Murphy, take it away. Let's go rap. I'm trying to get Murph to rap. Oh, man, we're going to have to wait till season two. They got to be Kansas City and I'll do it. We're going to get a Murph rap sometime this year in 2019. Happy New Year, Raider Nation. It will be midnight in a few hours. We love you. Happy resolution. Happy New Year. He is Murph. I am Mikey. Thank you for being a part of Mondays with Mike and Murph. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. 
Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.